So we're going to start by just saying all the content warnings. Just keep it in mind. There's it's it's part two of a Dino interview. It's profanity. Um, Topics. Yes. Raw discussions of uh, ADHD, some autism diagnosis stuff, um, all kinds of things. So yeah, keep that in mind. Our second warning is that we have animals. You're you're currently cuddling one who is clinging to you like a little sloth. He is so happy. He's purring. I don't know if, if the purring is being picked up by the microphone, but uh, yeah, I'm just going back and forth. So um, animal noises happen, and sometimes because of animals, we swear. Yes, particularly when Sergey, who is currently a little sloth, sits on your keyboard or knocks something off the table. Yes. Uh, so, and, and we swear for other reasons, but... Uh, Often it's because of animals. Emphasis, so. enthusiasm, yeah, general joy and obscenity. So anyway, uh, hi folks, welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 205. We are uh, continuing our interview with Dino from last week. Woo! Woo! Uh, and, uh, you know, so we'll pick up where we left off, which was just about the time I put the chicken's way is the dog dreaming again. Uh, the dog felt the need to sort of wharf uh, at something. The neighbors had were, were getting work done, and so she was losing her shit earlier. Yes. Um, I don't know what it was. It was just going wom, wom, wom. Sounded for like hours. A, a generator thing, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, that, so yeah, uh, I, I gave it a listen earlier today. I gave it a, a re listen. Um, and I'm just thrilled to be sharing this. With all y'all, right, including the part where Dino almost makes me cry. Aww. So you have that in store for you. Um, so this week has been, I think, pretty good. I, I've written some good code. Uh, my new project management project for work is going well. I'm improving at the skill of running those meetings. Woohoo! Yeah, that one's important. Right, that one's important. Uh, and so now I'm learning, I, I'm not going to say learning new skills, but possibly refreshing old skills, skills I haven't like used in a while. Um, but also I'm really excited about this code. As a matter of fact, I'm demoing some of the code I wrote in the last week or so at the team meeting tomorrow, which is really exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, hi, Orange Cat. Orange Cat has now chased Sergi away. Um, do you hear? I'm going to make space for you to lay down and probably take eight bajillion screenshots for me. Roll my <laughs> eyes. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's really been the bulk of my week. We had a three-day weekend, which had, I think, some pretty neat news. This past weekend was Juneteenth, and uh, the Juneteenth holiday was um, made an actual federal national holiday here in the states i mean there's a lot of arguments to be made about how it would be nice if they would reform voting rights rather than what could be considered a symbolic gesture but yes it's still cool and we just have to keep kicking them about voting rights yes there's there will be this this is an excuse to let up the pressure it's just a thanks now yeah uh, so uh very but but very happy. That means that next year it won't be a uh, voluntary paid time off by the company. It'll actually be a, a federal holiday paid time off, I guess. Cool. Um, that's, you know, and I spend a lot of time sort of reading and 
learning over that time period instead of, uh, I didn't say much. I, I spent a lot of time on Twitter, but almost none of it, none posting. So, and I think that was, that was kind of important given the fact that I'm a white dude and, uh, yeah, this is not. Sometimes it's good to just listen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, Orange Cat. How are you? Oh, does Orange Cat want her turn? So, so how was your week? Uh, it's been very productive. I've, I'm at nearly 6,000 words for the week, which is, uh, you know, granted that it's Wednesday, that's like double what I normally have to do. Today was pretty whacked. Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh, uh, I have my, I take my ADHD meds in the morning. I take my other pills at night. And, well, I mean, I take some other stuff in the morning too, but you know. Um, and frequently, you know, <laughs> more often, I was going to say, yeah, maybe one, you know, I try not to do it once a week, but probably about once a month I get the, the fact that they are clearly marked with little sun and moon symbols does not mm-hmm. register. And I end up taking my nighttime pills in the morning. It's a thing. And then I will be like, why am I so tired today? And then I will look and realize that I hadn't taken my ADHD meds and I had taken my one brain med. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that explains it. Yeah, it's it's only like bad, I guess, when you forget to take your brain med the night before. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's... That's when you get the, the head zaps from withdrawal. Though. Yeah, nobody wants that. But yeah. last night I outdid myself... And managed to, somewhere around 11.30 at night, take the morning pill for the next day instead of the nighttime I'm pill. I'm really impressed. It even says on the side of the container the name of the day. Some reason I thought it was Wednesday. And morning. And, yeah, look, I was clearly not firing on all thrusters. And the end result was that if you take your ADHD med at 11.30 at night, Man, you will hyper-focus on a Switch game for three, four hours. You kind of noticed, yeah. And then I think I managed about three hours of sleep, if that. And then I was up far earlier than I ever get up. You were, yeah, you kind of woke up when I had to get up to get yeah, ready for I'm, my meeting and stuff. And I laid in bed and poked Twitter for a bit. And then I was like, okay, I'm not going back to sleep. And having figured out what I did, I am, I'm not wasting my productivity, so I went to the coffee shop at, you know, very early and wrote words, which worked out fine, you know, got like 1,800 words on a project I was actually supposed to be working on, so yay. Yay. The only downside was that I had to come home and have a con call with an editor to try to pitch a project <laughs> and wow that is and and the editor has known me for many many years so yes. my carefully cultivated reputation as a total space cadet is works in my favor and also it's you know we've all been working at home because pandemic and etc so and, yeah and nobody this, knows how to human anymore and this editor never really talked to you over the course of the last year when since you've started getting treatment for ADHD. Right. So uh, it worked mostly, you know, it, we, we, I think we talked business for about half of it and then the rest was just editor, agent, me shooting the breeze about how are you surviving the pandemic? Oh, did you get the shot? Oh, are we looking forward to the Delta variant or whatever? Oh yeah, this yeah. is exciting. Uh, 
and she has like three small children and so was at home with her husband alternating shifts one would take mornings one would take afternoons you know yeah yeah to try to get everything done so there's a reason i haven't heard from her in about a year on any projects and you know that's that's okay. That's I, fine. I I respect that that uh, there was nothing you know super urgent hanging and and you know God knows that's that's not a uh, not a fun work time. So uh, yeah, it, it went fine I think. Uh, <laughs> but now I'm in this weird haze of yeah I don't my brain doesn't know if I'm coming or going like. I'm tired, but I'm not sleepy, but I'm definitely tired, but yeah, it's no, manifesting as I'm mostly just fried, so. I, I know that, I, yeah, I, I I get that feeling when I have uh, an inadvertent late night, and I don't necessarily have the option, as you might sometimes, to sleep late. I try to keep some regular office hours and so that I can stop working at kind of set times and keep a routine going. Yeah, I well, the thing is, I tried to take a nap and it just didn't happen. My, like, I, I was just kind of laying there going, sleep is good. I like sleep. Anytime is, now. Yeah, it, so what you're saying is there's a good chance that after we watch Loki tonight, you're just going to go down for the count. I have no idea what's going to happen tonight. That I, also works on the theory that, you know, you're not too tired and spaced out to watch Loki. Oh no! I will totally watch Loki. I'm, uh, it's, I mean, come on, yeah. Tom Hiddleston chewing the scenery. Sign me up. Um, but uh, don't don't expect you know any coherent conversation or God forbid decisions about something. So. No, I, I wasn't. I yeah. No, um, I, I want to give a shout out to uh, by the way, uh, Damien, who recommended we watch Ted Lasso. Yes, that shit was fucking brilliant. Yeah, we enjoyed the heck out of it. And have, have watched the whole season or like, oh my god. Yeah, no, I, I was like, this is... I don't even like soccer. A ridiculous, sort of ridiculous premise, but I... I and at first I found, like, I thought maybe part of it was going to be that Ted was going to be grading, and he wasn't. He was just so perfect and sincere and sweet through the whole thing. And the, the performances brought in by the cast are just stellar. Yeah, um, and, and I am not a sports person. I'm as far from it as you can get, and it was still an adorable show yeah, that no, I enjoyed. Uh, yeah, season two is coming very, very soon. I'm excited about that. But uh, to everybody who, who wrote in or tweeted or whatever to say, yes, you need to watch Ted Lasso, thank you. You were right. You were right. Um, so we're, we're excited about that. I know another thing you're excited about. What's that? It's this interview, part oh, two. Oh, man, yes. And there's... We talk about cooking. We talk about, um, you know, uh, being a helping hand for somebody. We we have all kinds of things we discuss. And uh, also, we swear a lot. So uh, we'll be right back uh, after this with more Dino Sarma. Fuck Yeah!
spoken again. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we're back. So the, we're the, back. I well, I had to fix um, earlier today. I was out fixing one of the automatic doors. I have automatic doors on three out of four coops now, so that I don't have to get out to let chickens out. Right. Okay. The only chickens that have a manual door are the babies. Okay. Buffy and the babies, right? And and that's that's sort of a, a safety thing. And one day I'm sure the babies are just gonna be like, No, we're gonna go sleep over there and then they won't it won't be, you know, because already I have three or four who are like, if I sneak out through the fence here, I can go hang out with the other chickens. <laughs> so they're um, social animals, they like to be with each other. Yeah, yeah. And okay. um uh and Lucky, the little ringleader. Uh -huh. um, named Lucky because I think it was the first night they were here. I couldn't, f like, you know, day old chicks are tiny and I couldn't find him or mm -hmm. it. I don't know if it's a he or she yet. I suspect it's a he. And I'm like, oh god, already? It's like two days old, maybe. Like already one gone. Well, uh, all right, but maybe it's just under Buffy and I just can't see. Mm -hmm. right, I come out the next morning bright and early, and there's this little tiny, little teeny tiny chick out there just peep, 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 apparently had hidden <laughs> themselves somewhere, spent the night outside the coop with mom, without mom, ah. right, and lived to tell the tale, and this was like when the temperatures were still dropping low enough to kill a baby chick. Oof, okay. Right? And so, and didn't get eaten, and none of that, and I'm like, that, that, I, I don't, if you live to like three weeks old or whatever, your name is Lucky because at this point, that's you are possibly the luckiest chicken <laughs> I have had to date. Um, and now Lucky's out there to greet me and follow me around a little bit. And uh, it's all as long as I've got food. If I don't have mealworms, Lucky shows up. He's like, "You're not feeding me," and leaves. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that means that bodes well for later uh, as. Lucky gets older, maybe Lucky can be a shoulder chicken, much like Taylor okay. was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah many. It's the afternoon where, if I'm positioned just right in front of the cam, you will see me with Lucky sitting on my knee, just eating. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't realize chickens did that. Um. Some don't. Okay. Um, he's also figured out that I take a container with me and that if he jumps in the container, he can eat all he wants. <laughs> <laughs> so they're also gluttons. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, they're not as bad as turkeys, uh -huh. but turkeys are... What was it Tucker said about... Our, our our friend Tucker, who runs Lily Den Farm, had said about the turkeys, this isn't their free range. In practice, they get up in the morning, they go over, they sit, they do nothing but sit by the feed trough eating food and complaining <laughs> when they run out, and then they go back in at night. Right. Like, <laughs> I they see. can go wherever they want, they just don't want to. Yeah. I mean, turkeys in general can go wherever they want. They're not small birds. Right, right. Uh, although the commercially... The ones that you buy in stores, folks, this is terrible. I'm just warning you now. The ones you buy in stores are, are bred to have very large breasts for breast mm -hmm. meat. Mm -hmm. And so they're already kind of top heavy. Oh, um, okay. Right. The heritage breeds will move around a little bit more mm -hmm. and seem to have much better brains. Right. Um, 
I swear, as I was driving to my dentist appointment this morning, I saw a a wild tom and at least one hen his yard. Like, not pets, not livestock style, just right. there. It's and I know we have thing. flocks of wild turkeys come through every so often because I can hear them. So. We we get turkeys in uh, New Jersey. Um, yeah. And just like Jersey people, they have places to go. They don't have time for you. So, like, they will I'm... pointedly, like, cross the road and be like, I have to be there now. <laughs> Stand on the keyboard, sweetie. Thank you. Um, even, uh, even better, um, they are a pest problem in Pittsburgh now. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the, the feral wild turkeys have moved into downtown Pittsburgh. Holy shit. To the point where one night we were walking from uh, our hotel past, like, a hospital, and there's just this, like, small flock of turkeys in the hospital yard going, if you come near us, I will cut you. <laughs> and I, I have to go back, and I'm like, what, they're turkeys in the middle of Pittsburgh? They're like, yeah, turkeys in the middle of Pittsburgh. It's a problem. It's a thing. <laughs> and yeah. New York thought we had it bad with the uh, pigeons. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, my God, the pigeons. And oh my god. Tiny orange. Yes, here she is. Oh, 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 we're going to clean my mouse hand now. Okay. Um, <laughs> Better than walking yeah. on the keyboard. <laughs> yes. Well, cuz I don't I don't towards the the bit where the keyboard's just going do 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 because she's standing on like the one key. <laughs> it, it drives me crazy. Here's uh, my cat taking screenshots secretly of your computer. <laughs> Do you know, I, she does that. Like, here, the keyboard, I use this lovely Logitech keyboard, but it actually has a print screen button right here. Yes. And that is the favorite place for her to put her head when she wants to sleep <laughs> here in the afternoon. Wait, do you use a PC? No, no, this is this is all Bluetooth to my Mac. Okay, 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 okay. Right? But she sleeps, so now my Mac desktop, like, I... I move things out of the way, and I get to my Mac desktop, and it's nothing but screenshots. <laughs> and because the, the screenshot tool takes an individual image for each press physical screen, and I've got two of them, it's of like course. screenshot one and two, one and two, one and two. And I'm like, <laughs> well, at least she didn't get any of, you know, the embarrassing bit where I was exactly. you know, sneaking, sneaking a peek at Twitter in between meetings. Right. <laughs> um, so... The the other part of the meal prepping that I did need to bring up was yes. I I know I bring it up almost every time but that's because it changes every time uh, <laughs> is, is the uh, depression meal prepping because that is a oh yeah very real yeah. thing um, so through COVID a lot of the stuff that I had easy access to I didn't so I had to sort of finagle so to speak on on right, how to. Right have my emergency uh, uh, depression meal prepping stuff. Um, yeah. One of them was the artichoke uh, hearts, not to be funny, but it's like um, when you're, when you have the energy to maybe shove something in a microwave and eat it, um, it's nice to have something a little fancier than, you know, um, uh, I don't know, frozen mixed vegetables, you know, those basic ones, oh, which no. I, I yeah. keep them on hand because they're handy to have, but it feels like such a depressing meal to sit down with like ramen noodles and like fucking frozen mixed vegetables in there. And it's just like, 
I guess this is what I have. So this is what I'm going to do because this takes the least amount of effort for me to get through it. But like I started um, buying um, like the, the capers in, in the jar yeah. Yeah. and the artichoke hearts and then that fancy tomato paste that comes in the tube. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Because um, sometimes I found that if I use a jarred tomato sauce uh, from the store, the flavor is a little flat, if you know what mm -hmm. I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and I don't necessarily want to add an acid like lemon or something like that to just overdo it on the other side to brighten it up. Mm -hmm. But what I found is that if I put like um, like a quarter teaspoon or so of of that tomato paste from the squeezy tube, just, just um, a squeeze, yeah, just yeah. a teeny bit, and then shove it in the microwave with whatever uh, pasta that I had prepped earlier. Um, it seems to brighten it up quite nicely. And then you throw on just a bit of olive oil and some of that uh, frozen artichoke hearts and, you know, like yeah. caper berries and shove it in the microwave for five minutes. And all of a sudden it feels like you're having a really nice meal when you're down in the dumps and you don't have the energy to do much of anything else. Um, yeah. Because... Uh, <laughs> the the basic shit was hard to find, but like artichoke hearts are always stuff. <laughs> right? Um, the the one that got me is I uh, one of the things I learned to do was like good fried rice. Okay. Over the pandemic, and in this case, it was you know I have the rice cooker. I make a bunch of rice and use it on a couple meals. Yes. But there's always like that that like cup left. Yeah, cup to cup and a half, and you know, throw that in the fridge the next day. You just, you know, a little sesame oil in the wok, yeah. a bag of those frozen vegetables. Yes, right. And then uh, I found the secret hmm. that they they don't necessarily tell you, and that is um, oyster sauce. Okay, oyster sauce gives it the restaurant flavor. Yes, that you don't get straight. Soy sauce and just the frying. So I have two channels for you. Uh, okay. Based on that. One is called um, Chinese Cooking Demystified. Okay. I'm sure you've seen that at some point. I think so. So there's this giant food nerd who <laughs> posts on the cooking subreddit all the time. And him <laughs> and his wife live in China in, I want to say Shenzhen, if I'm not mistaken. And she's native Chinese and he's mm -hmm. um, American, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he's massively into Chinese food. Like he likes the <laughs> shit that you can only get in Shenzhen. And he goes through and he analyzes the recipes so that you can figure out how to do it in your home kitchen in mm -hmm. America um, with the equipment that you have available to you. And he explains it in such good detail and he writes out the recipe with all the steps one by oh, one by one yeah. on both the YouTube description video and on the Reddit post where people can ask questions and he'll answer them. So like, it's a very, very good resource for people outside of China who want to try out some of these um, yeah. non-Chinese restaurant recipes, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I forget being in the middle of Tibet, like in the middle of nowhere. And we stop at this, like, restaurant. It was basically, like, the restaurant attached to a truck stop. You know the one? Uh -huh. But because it's Tibet, there are tourists coming through. 
on the wall they have this you know your usual big thing with the pictures yeah so that you can point at it mostly right. for people like us right, right. <laughs> and i look at that and then i look that everybody else in the restaurant because they're all tibetans are eating this this one soup mm-hmm. and i'm like i want and the owner of the restaurant looks at me as our translator and then our translator looks at me and is like, are, are you sure you want that? And I'm like, that, that is what I, this is what everybody else is eating. I want that. Yeah. Um, it's like going into a Mexican restaurant and seeing everybody eating the, you know, the, the mushroom enchiladas and. Right. Or the tripes or something. Or the, oh, yes. I wish I could find some place that had oculado, but mm-hmm. um, I'm a weirdo like that. Um <laughs> And so, but it was this simple bowl of um, the thick wheat noodles, mm-hmm. which I believe are, are the ones that are specific to Cheyenne that and, and that region, the hand-pulled noodles, scrambled eggs and tomato. Huh. Okay. And it's amazing. And I'm like, what kind of broth is this? They're just like, it's broth. Broth. Like, it's I don't know what to tell you. Chicken, vegetables, <laughs> like, it's broth. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and now the tomato season is coming. Yeah. I'm like, we have eggs. And We're going to have is, tomatoes. <laughs> and there is a recipe for um, uh, scrambled eggs and tomatoes on the Chinese Cooking Demystified channel. Yeah. Um, then the second one is a Korean one. Um, it's uh, called Aaron and, Aaron and Claire. So A-A-R-O-N and Claire. Um, it's a guy uh, and his wife who live in Seoul. And he worked as a chef for several years. Um, mm-hmm. I think he still is. I'm not sure. Um, so he knows all the secret shit that they do in restaurants that mm-hmm. they don't necessarily teach you at home. But he also realizes that, like, a lot of his audience is not Korean. Because <laughs> 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 it's an English channel. Um, right. And to prove that the food is good, he has his wife taste test it. And she'll give it to you straight. She'll be like, this is great, or this needs this, or I want some beer with this, or like, basically, like, she's the audience stand in. And he he goes through and he's like, here's all the stuff that you can skip if you don't like it or you don't have it. Here's what you can substitute if you don't have this. And here's how you make the sauce by yourself at home if in case, you know, you can't find it at the store. And he uses oyster sauce all the time. He's like, if you want that real good flavor, use oyster sauce. Yeah. yeah. Um, and his big thing is, let me tell you how to prepare a few sauces and a few things ahead of time so mm-hmm. that when it's showtime, when it's time to make the actual thing, it only takes you five minutes. Right, right. And I mean, that's the thing about like a, a, a quick fried rice is really fried rice takes like five minutes. It should be quick. Yeah, um, yeah. What I realized for the pots and pans that I have at home because mm-hmm. I'm a single person, I don't have huge, huge, you know, cookware like my mom had. She had a wok right. like this big that oh, we yeah, used yeah. for daily cooking. My wok is like this <laughs> big. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I want to do a fried rice at home, it's not going to work out if I try to throw everything into that wok. It's too small. Oh, you have to do it in phases. 
So what I do is exactly yeah. what you said. I'll, I'll do it in phases. So like I'll stir fry the onions for a few seconds and then take it out mm-hmm. and then stir fry the carrots and then take it out and then do the next ingredient and take it out. Um, and then when it's time to do the rice, I'll add the onions back in and then stir fry the rice with that and then whatever sauces and flavorings that I'm adding. And then at the last, last minute, I'll bring everything back together because I found that if I try to do everything in one pot um, all at the same time in, in stages like they do at the restaurants, it's going to end up stewing rather than right. searing. Um, I'm not going to get that good color on there. I'm not going to get that nice um, almost burnt, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you – yeah, no, I know it exactly, yeah. Um, um, one of the things I, I'll, I'll throw yeah, in is – uh, I had leftover smoked pork from Mother's Day, mm-hmm. right? And so I made smoked pork fried rice because it's like I got to use up this right. huge amount of pork. I can just dice it, throw that in there, and then use the fat from the pork, move the pork out, and then use the fat from the pork on the vegetables. Right. And, you know, and get that extra flavor in there before I go to the to the rice. And, and at the very end, I scramble three eggs and mix that in because... You know, because you have eggs. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, yeah. That that at the moment I've used up eleven eggs this week. Right. So. <laughs> right. Right. Oh wait, and, no, and, I made um, huevos rancheros, and that was another five. So that's sixteen, which so is nowhere near six eggs a day. Chinese cooking. I'm sure yeah. you've also seen that Mexican one, um, de mm-hmm. Rancho as a cocina. Yes. Yes. Um, that one's the old Mexican lady. Um, and, and she's also one of those where she'll show you like, here's how you just throw it all together. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be. And, and the beauty of it is, is like, you start to pick up Spanish as you start watching her videos because mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're subtitled, but like, you can see what she's doing while she's yeah. explaining. You, yeah. She's calling them by their names. It's all fine. Um, and, and, those three have really given me a lot of ideas because yes, they're mostly using a lot of meat, but like, I don't necessarily have to use the meat. I can, you know, right. the vegetables right. and I'm fine. It's more the techniques than anything else that I think are very helpful. Um, which is why I started doing a couple of more YouTube videos is because I wanted to go into, um, you know, let's talk about using what you have in ways mm-hmm. that'll, you know, yeah. whatever. 90% of the videos are soup. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta say though, have you? I, I have to ask because I think it's an amazing channel. Although I don't watch it as regular as I could, binging with Babish. I used to watch him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Then I tried a couple of the recipes, mm-hmm. um, and I realized that he's writing for an audience that's not me. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense. It does. One of the things, though, that that struck me is, um, are you familiar with the movie Chef? Mm-mm. John Favreau, um, and uh, I oh god, uh, and uh, Scarlett Johansson's in it, and it's basically about this chef. Working... Oh, he made the pasta from that scene. Yes, there's the pasta yes. from the scene, but there's also this scene where he's making his kid a. Grilled cheese sandwich. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, this is a love letter to grilled cheese sandwich, the way he, the way Favreau shot it and did it. But they also did a thing where the, the actual chef who advised and was teaching him all the techniques while they were filming. Great movie, by the way. You need to see it. It's yes. amazing. Yes. Um, 
But at the end, during the end credits, they're like, okay, now here's how you here's how you need to hold the sandwich when you're making this, and here's how you how even you're supposed to spread. And it's just like, I mean, aside from so many of the shots in it being a love letter to cooking, mm-hmm. it's it's like like that whole scene with the pasta mm-hmm. is a thing of beauty, and mm-hmm. it's just a simple pasta, but the way it's shot and the way it's done, it's a love letter to cooking pasta. Exactly, exactly. Right? You know, and it's worth it for seeing that alone, um, if not for, you know, the fact of just the whole thing around him finding himself the chef again after losing it. it it's very, um, oh God, what was that fucking movie in France? Jesus Christ. 100 Foot Journey. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've never seen the movie. I only read the book. Um, Very, very good book. Um, Surprisingly well done um, in the Indian scenes as well as the French scenes. They did such a good job. Okay. Um, Where it's like, if you know from cooking in that particular style and you see someone describe it perfectly, you're just like, oh, they get it. They, They understand. Yeah, yeah. And, of course... We would be at this point. We would both be remiss if we didn't mention um, the one about the the. Um, he's a comedian. He was on John, but he did the film about being an Indian cook. I can't remember the name of it. Now. Oh God! Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I've seen it too. And then he has that like um, guy who's almost like his mentor. He wanted to stage at a French restaurant, but decided not to, and worked with this dude who taught him about spices and shit. Like how to like how to be he yeah he was taking over his father's restaurant because his father yep. had a heart attack or something yeah yep. but didn't know how to cook Indian food and this guy was just like yep doing it and he was you know no you have to do it with the rhythm you have to do it with your heart Correct. yeah no uh, your your um, listeners are screaming at their phones do you know it's this one <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes people. If you don't know the one, if you guys find it, plus, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it'll show up again. But like the 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 fun of cooking loses its luster when you're depressed and when you're yeah, kind of yeah. in that mode. And so I found that um, sometimes the depression would last for more than a couple of days. Sometimes it would last for like a couple of weeks. Right. And so I've already finished all my meal prep shit that I did. <laughs> <laughs> Those two pounds of pasta have long past been eaten. Um, right. And now I'm kind of like, and I can't order in because I don't trust outside food yet because I'm not vaccinated yet. So now what the fuck do I do? Um, and right. I really don't feel like... And, and we're saying this isn't the past. You were saying you're already you're fully vaccinated now. Yeah, I'm fully vaccinated right, now. Right, and right. I, now I'm more than happy to... Um, order in or something it's fine um because now i'm not as scared of you know getting i know the chances of getting covid from a meal are like vanishingly small um but when you're in that in that mode of just like everything's falling apart that i thought i could trust Mm -hmm. um I, i i'm sure we talked about food supply chain and how fucked it got oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So as of now, the food supply chain is going to get even more fucked because um, uh, break costs have shot skyrocketed high. Oh, yeah. So 
what used to cost me, let's say, to go from Jersey to um, Oakland or, or Los Angeles or something right. um, would cost me about like three and a half to four and a half thousand dollars is now costing mm-hmm. seven and a half to eight and a half thousand dollars. Yeah. Also, we're running into produce season. Also, all the shipping lines are overbooked um, to the point where I used to be able to get freight from, say, Thailand to um, New York or Thailand mm-hmm. to Oakland or something. Let's say I would pay about 3000 2000 something, whatever, fine. Um, and this is not um, a couple of pounds. It's, it's uh, 44,000 pounds in, in a 20-foot right. container. Fine. A uh, 40-foot container would cost maybe an extra five, $600, give or take. I just got quotes from a new um, freight forwarder who was trying to get our business, and she sent me the quotes. Uh, right now, to Oakland, a 20-foot from Thailand is running at about $12,000. That's a good increase. That's a bit of an increase. Um, yeah. Yeah. It went up to about 4500 5000 for the past six months, which is already mm-hmm. a little too high, and we're already feeling that pinch. And now the t- same 20-foot container is $12,000. Yep. That's a lot of fucking money. So, like, a lot of the things that we depended on from overseas are not going to be... You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And I'm just thinking, I, I just realized that, like, yes, it's, it was interesting sort of academically to watch, the like, half of the world's shipping basically shut down because a ship was stuck in the Suez Canal. Yes. Right? But then it occurred to me that, oh, my God, that must have had a huge impact on you. Oh, enormous. So what happened is that when the Suez backup happened, they were down for about a week, give or Mm -hmm. take. Um, There were container ships leaving India and Thailand and China and other places like that that had to go through that particular way. What they ended up having to do is instead of crossing the Suez because it was so backed up, they had to go through the southern tip of Africa. Through past the Cape of Good Hope, yeah. And then go back up because yeah. a shipping manifest is written in stone. They load the containers in such a way that the ports of call have to be hit in order so that they can get unloaded. Mm-hmm. So this ship that should have been able to cross the Suez, um, hit Damietta for maybe a day or two and then shoot across the Atlantic in a couple of weeks is now spending another week crossing Africa. Yep. And the first port of call on the East coast is usually Halifax. Mm-hmm. So, You've gone all the way south to now go all the way north and then come all the way back down south slowly but surely. So a lot of the ports that used to be serviced by those uh, vessels, um, Jacksonville, Savannah, um, Norfolk, Mm -hmm. uh, even Houston, to be honest, uh, Alabama, Uh because uh, Mobile is a huge, huge shipping port. Um, they're the largest in the Gulf, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Wilmington was one, and I know Charleston is one. Charleston, South Carolina, yes. Yes. They have one. Yeah. Um, yeah. North Carolina doesn't have a, a deep water ocean port. Oh, yes. Wilmington is, is now is is a little further in. They're not a big shipping location for those Correct. big, big ships anymore because they don't have quite the 
they don't to have handle the deep water big, for it. Yeah. Correct. So usually if I want to get something to like say Raleigh or something, I have to either take it to Norfolk or to um, South Carolina. There's no, so like there's a dead zone in between those two ports. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nobody's yeah. going there. Um, East coast is funny because like there's a port in Boston, New York, um, Philadelphia, I believe mm -hmm. Baltimore, yep. uh, Norfolk, and then all of North Carolina skipped, and then it goes straight to South Carolina. I, our, our, I, I think the thing about that is it's the Outer Banks. Okay. Right? It's re like we have essentially a barrier reef. That's why. Or a series of bar barrier islands, that, and that's why we have all lighthouses. Mm -hmm. um, like we have an inordinate number of lighthouses on the North Carolina coast. Because basically, the North Carolina coast is a hazard. So your coast cannot support a deep water port. Uh probably not. No. no At least not until the oceans not until the oceans rise and those those islands are underwater. <laughs> That's grim, Kevin. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, uh, it it kind of uh, is, but you but know. this is also fucking other people because um, yeah. to say, for example, get. Um, a container from overseas to say Arkansas, um, yeah. where they do a lot of food production. Um, oh, yeah. I have friends who work in food production there. Um, like I think Post is headquartered out of there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I mean, that's where Walmart and Sam's Club are headquartered. Walmart is headquartered out of there. Yeah. Uh, Riceland is headquartered out of there. Like all, mm -hmm. all major, major food companies are headquartered out of there to get, to the places in Arkansas where you need to deliver the goods, you have to land in either Norfolk or South Carolina and then intermodal the container to Memphis. And mm -hmm. then from Memphis, they pick it up from their port and then take it to Arkansas because Arkansas doesn't have a major uh, intermodal hub. Nope. Mm -hmm. So everything has to be trucked. And that's a two hour drive from Memphis to most of Arkansas, um, which means that it's very, 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 very expensive to drive it over there. And now it's getting more and more expensive. And now the ocean freight right. is getting more expensive. And so yeah. because of the Suez fuck up, what happened is that all these boats that had to go other uh, around the southern tip of Africa and then go all the way up to Halifax, then New York, then Norfolk, then Savannah, mm -hmm. then, um, uh, what do you call, Houston, they stopped doing those runs um, as as much as they used to. So, like, now it's not so easy to get uh, a right. container to Houston. Now, for Houston, what they're doing is that they're actually taking it into Los Angeles and then intermodeling it into Houston. Yeah. I would... Which is I would, insane. Yeah, no, I would think that instead of it would actually be to go through Panama, although I don't know what the Panama Canal does for that, or if it's so, big enough for those ships. Yeah, no, the Panama Canal's fine. Um, mm -hmm. Most of those are... Uh, so, if you look up on Google Panamax, um, that's okay. the name of the boats that can fit through the Panama Canal. Most of the boats are Panamax boats now. Um but very few of them use it. The the one shipping line that uses the Panama Canal all the all the all the time is Mediterranean Shipping Company because all their boats have to stop off in the Mediterranean before they go anywhere else. So if they want to go to Oakland, what they do is that they ship it um, through the Mediterranean and then down past the Panama and then hit up Los Angeles and Oakland. Right. Most other places go the opposite direction. 
Yeah. If you're trying to hit Oakland, you cross China and then go there. MSC is its own weird beast. <laughs> well, yeah. But uh, I mean, and it's it's all in the demand. And uh, but I was I was actually surprised to not see saying, well, okay, if the shortcut that way is gone, maybe we go the other way. Uh, so the issue is is that if you want to go the other way, there's the other option is to go through the China route. So like right. rather than so say for example you're coming out of India, right? If you mm -hmm. want to get to the East Coast from India, it's a very, very easy trip. You you cross the Suez, you cross the Mediterranean, you hit New York, you're done. Life right. is good. If you're trying to get to New York from India, um, the opposite direction, you need to then do what's called a transshipment. Um, so your boat... So there's... How do I describe this? There's basically these runs that these boats do, they basically right. circle this thing, right? So it'll go from like India to Pakistan to Colombo, uh, Sri Lanka, and then from Sri Lanka, it'll hit up like Malaysia or Singapore or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then it'll hit China, a couple of ports there, and then it'll go all the way, and it takes three weeks to cross the Pacific. Um, yeah. It only takes a week and a half to two weeks to cross the Atlantic. Okay. So that's a so yeah, big difference, added, yeah. Yeah, you've already added an extra week to your transit time. Now you have to clear the Panama Canal. That Those tolls are insane compared to the Suez. Um, it's a lot cheaper and a lot faster to go through the Suez. Uh, so now you're paying the extra toll for the Panama. And then now you have to go all the way north again to hit New York. And that's mm -hmm. another fucking nightmare because that's another two weeks, you know, right, right. thing. Um, so like... They were like, fuck it, we'll just cross Africa and just deal with that. You know, what are we going to fucking do? Because it still, it still saves us time and money to go around Africa than it does to wait. try to go the other way. Yeah. Because we can't wait because it's right. this shit is sitting on our boats and we can't have it go bad. Um, so it's fucked everyone who's coming to the East Coast to begin with. Then Suez cleared up, uh, but there was like a three week backlog for them to get through. Mm -hmm. um, they, I want to give credit to the people at the Suez Canal in Egypt because they powered through that backlog. They really, oh, they yeah. really worked their asses off to get through that backlog because that backlog should have taken a lot longer than it did. Um, people stopped uh, doing the Southern Horn of Africa thing. They, they, they just started going through the Suez again. It's now right. fully functional again, but there's still a, a little bit of a backlog. It takes a little bit longer than usual, but it's fine. It's it's not it's yeah. not as good as yeah. it used to be, but it's not as bad. Then, meanwhile, um, Oakland uh, fucked something up. So now, oh. uh, typically, the ocean vessel has to sit at, in San Francisco Bay um, for anywhere between three and six weeks before they get offloaded. Holy shit. So guess what most of the shipping lines did? Decided to go to the East Coast? No, no more Oakland. No more Oakland. It's all L.A. now? So then everyone's like, well, fuck it, take it to L.A. We don't have space for L.A. Oh, dear, yeah. So that's when everything went from 4,500 to 12,000, because they're like, you can get premium service to Oakland, we'll get you to Oakland, but you're going to have to pay us 12 grand for a 20 footer, which is insane. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
And LA is now also backed up. So now it takes, so you, LA is one of the ports that is 24 seven, 365. It right. runs nonstop. There are no breaks. So if you have a really good drayage team, um, they're able to pick up the container at like three o'clock in the morning. Right. This is not a problem for them because they, they understand how this works. If you don't have a 24 hours drayage team in LA, you're not getting your shit. They only have X amount of appointments available for you to book. And if you don't get the appointment that you want, you better be awake. Otherwise, it's yep. sitting there. Um, so now LA is backed up. Um, so now it takes like five or six days to offload. So the container that needed to go to Houston from LA has been on the boat for about a week now getting delayed, 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 delayed. We're going to offload this day. No, we're going to offload this day. No, we're going to offload this day. And I was like, thank fuck they didn't offload today because that means that I'm not going to lose the free time. Right. You know, over the long weekend, because uh, nobody's doing anything, all the warehouses are closed, all the drainage companies are closed. So it's like, all right, good. Stay on the boat. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're cool. Um, <sighs> because of how shitty shipping has become, now it really shows you like who your real friends are, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. So because we've been in business long enough and we've had very close relationships with our freight forwarders that we've been working with for a very long time, they're able to snuggle us onto the boats somehow. Right. They can't do what they used to do, which is on a typical bill of lading, you could get as many containers as you wanted. And because we're ordering bulk, we would usually oh, yeah. order like five to 10 containers at once on a bill of lading. Each container is 44,000 pounds. Multiply that by five to 10. One bill of lading. Very easy. In, out, yep. down. Um, now it's like I can only, they can only book one, 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 one for the old prices because that's all they can get. That's all the space right. they have. So it's like, we'll get you one container on this boat. We'll get you one container on this boat on this shipping line. I'm calling everybody that I know. I'm calling in favors. I'm, you know, uh, mm. pulling in blackmail, <laughs> doing what I have to do. But like, I will do for you because I know that you helped us out. Um, because, um, with shipping, um, it's, it's all trust. It's, yeah, I'm yeah. trusting them to take several thousand dollars worth of product across the ocean and get it to me in one piece. If you don't have that trust, nothing happens. Nothing uh, yeah. It, it, I, you know what I'm going to do though? I'm going to refer us back to, cause we talked in depth yeah. about all of this on the very first interview. Yes. <laughs> so I am, I'm, no, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to link that in the show notes for the people who, who may be the, their first time hearing you or any yes. of that, because I think that alone was just between the logistics, between the taxes, between yes. the, you know, the whole thing, that whole discussion still, you don't realize how much goes in to get that five pound bag of Mahatma rice right. from the grower in wherever the fuck, uh, I guess that one's probably India, um, to your store shelves. Correct. Right? And, you know, it's it's astounding. Um, and we have customers in the U.S. where they only import bulk. So their right. typical order is don't send us prepackaged goods. Send us 2,200-pound uh, totes 
um, of, of, of rice and then we'll pack it ourselves. We'll, we'll clean it, we'll pack it, we'll do our own shit. Yep. You just need to get it from point A to point B, which mm-hmm. is the easiest business because it's like the invoicing is easy, the, the inbound and outbound is easy, the unloading is easy, everything's easy. It's the ones who want packaged product that a little bit yeah. more of a pain in the ass, a little bit more yeah. involved, shall we say. Um, I have spent more time staring at Pantone swatches. <laughs> like the one good thing about that whole situation is that because of um, how much um, uh, shit that you have to do for a label approval, we're not the ones who are making the label. Right. India is. They're the ones who are dealing with all that shit. But the thing is, is that um, I still have to cross-check what the customer gave me and compare it to what India has given me and then figure out, like, did you do the right thing for this whole magic yeah. to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's only going to happen if I have Illustrator and, you know, the rest of it to really be able to drill down and make sure that the Pantone colors match. Because in a regular print job, um, I'm sure Ursula's talked to you about this before, um, you don't do um, like five or six Pantone colors. No, you do not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you get one or two, you're... You're real fortunate that your your company approved that budget. With with packaging labels, everything's a Pantone swatch. Mm-hmm. You get up to ten colors, and it's still included in your labeling cost. Wow. Yeah. Well, I there was there's the, a funny thing. I was um. I have fallen into the ink hole. Yeah. <laughs> right for my fountain pens. Yes. And one of the things that I have found very frustrating is I want a very specific, I'm after very specific colors. Right? Correct. And I'm just like, can I just, do, why do none of the ink manufacturers the RGB or Pantone number with it? Uh, can you repeat that, Kevin? You broke up. The They, they don't include... They, they, it's aubergine, but they don't tell you that aubergine is this RGB value or paint tone number. It's right. a purple. And <laughs> so, <laughs> right. And, and I'm the like, best no, I want this for that is um, yeah. Goulet pens because he's oh, actually I love Goulet. all of them. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I just, um, yeah. No, I just, uh, Hashtag I just not got sponsored. my latest shipment from them. Um, <laughs> I, I, look at look at this look at this beauty. This is uh, this is a new um, platinum. Oh, pretty. Uh, pen. Yes, this they they had me, um, and I've got it. I've actually got the uh, my my latest trial aubergine. I don't know how the color is going to do on the camera. Ink on it. No, yeah. it's a real deep purple. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm trying to get the deep dark purple of belladonna fruit is mm-hmm. you know you, you the color I'm talking about um, yes and it's I, so hard. I go to the other side of purple. I want ah. um, middle school girl love letter purple. So kind of like this the 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 lamy pen. I that's too yeah. pink. That's but, like, pink. you oh. know exactly that shade of purple I'm talking about because... Like um, closer to that? 
little pinker, but like it's such a. <laughs> on, um, let's see, probably yeah, that. There we go. That's very close. You know, yeah, this is... who gave me that perfect purple was, mm. um, you know, those. Uh, I think it's Pilot who makes those uh, clear pens. Yes. Um, uh, with the that you can convert to a um, uh, the the the. You can take out something or another, and you can put the little little um, doohickey, the como se dice, the um, rubber gaskety thing, and you can to an ink drop, like to a eyedropper oh, oh. pen. Um, okay, hold on, hold on. Um, pilot, pilot, pilot. Where is my? Oh, you mean I a think converter? It's a pilot. Yes, um, a converter. Pi- but it's like well, the everybody... cheap pilot ones. I think they're like five bucks or something like that. Okay, and, so. Um, and uh the varsity i don't think you can convert this to it no the The varsity is a disposable one i'm talking about the other one i need my other pen case what's that not the metro Metro. that that one's the metal one i'm talking about the one that you can convert to an eyedropper where you just put the gasket in and uh you can do dead ass eyedropper and you're fine Kevin, you're you have no audio. Ah. He's gesturing, and then he's fiddling with the with the um with the doohickeys that he's got plugged into his headphones. And now he's gone off camera, and uh, what we can see is Kevin's awesome. Am I better now? There you go. (laughs) Yeah. So so the battery on the one. Uh, microphone pack ran out because this is the one I used it for D and D, and then I used it for recording this week. And so, ah, fair enough. Um, no, just about any any pilot fountain pen except the Varsity, um, the Plumix. Maybe it was the Plumix. Not it's, the Plumix. Not the Plumix. No, no, that's I would the cable Google it on my phone, but it's not okay. On, <laughs> but I'm literally talking on. Oh wait, I have an iPad. Jesus Christ, you know. Yeah. Gonna. Hey, here we go. Uh, yeah, I have my I have my giant box of excess the box of excess pens. Let's see, there's uh-huh. some precise. There's a Plumex. That's a big. Um, it's not the Kakuno either. No, those are oh. Um, I have like three Plumexes in this box. Because um. <laughs> the Plumex has a hole at the bottom, so you can't do a eyedropper. No, it doesn't. I mean, if you put in the the converter, which I have in my... Do you want to know how obscene this is now? Hold on. Mm. Put my my box of... This one box of, of like, that's all the ballpoint pens filled things, except for the plumber. Preppy! The pilot preppy. Oh, the preppy. Uh, um, Preppy isn't a pilot. Preppy's uh, platinum. Am I thinking of another brand, then? Is that what's going on? Yeah, that, that may be... Yeah, the Platinum Preppy. Love the them. The default purple ink that they come with is okay. middle school girl purple. <laughs> yes, but you mean the... Um, hold on. Uh, here we go. I have... Is is this the specific sort of thing you're talking about? This this converter right here? That's So that's the converter. So with the Preppy, you can actually not use the converter at all and just oh. dump ink right into the barrel. That's what I mean by eyedropper. With the, with the Preppy. Okay, yeah. No, that's mm-hmm. that's like the... Um, God, here... I mean, that, that's my... By the way, that, that case I just had up, it, it is a Target 
Um, it, it was sold by Target as a makeup case. I'm currently using it for all of my pens, <laughs> my pen cleaning, and my ink bottles. Um, previously, I was using it for vape. So, <laughs> um, what, what's great here? This is the this is the SBI Echo. Mm-hmm. The it is designed around the entire barrel as the ink. Well, yes, and it yes. uses a plunger, right? So you you just you fill mm-hmm. this like it were a converter, but it's the whole thing. This one has writer's blood in it, which I don't know if you keep up with the Reddit ink groups. I have not. But there's a, a company that polls Reddit, I guess, like every year or so, and asks about colors. Mm-hmm. And so here, this is the writer's blood they came up with this year. I don't know if you can kind of like a rust red. It's like a dark, deep red. Yeah, mm-hmm. like on the on the wrong paper, it looks almost black. Right. And I love it. I love it now. And I don't want, now I want a purple like that. And that's the one I'm having a hard time finding. <laughs> but like the, the, the platinum preppy, not the pilot, the yes. platinum yeah. preppy. No, the I love purple I love ink that they come with is almost exactly that shade that I'm looking for. Um, and, and the thing is, is like, again, I wish they would have given us a Pantone swatch for that because then we could have just said, I'm looking for this. Yeah. And then we would have. But uh, we we get proofs from overseas um, mm-hmm. to compare to what the what the digital proof says. And if I don't have Illustrator, that means that I'm not going to be able to make sure that this is doing what it needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which meant that my boss had to buy me the subscription to the Creative Cloud, which is fucking great. Because yeah, we no. also discovered um, that uh, Adobe Dimension, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. No, I'm not. Adobe Dimension is software where you can take a piece of something. So, like, mm-hmm. they have all these assets that are for free in their stock mm-hmm. library, um, like uh, soda cans or, like, boxes or bags or whatever. And okay. then you can put the artwork over it so that you can do a packaging prototype and actually make it look like the actual real packaging. Oh, wow. So it wraps um, the image around the... Uh-huh. That's intense. Okay. And it's stupid easy to use. It's it's not complicated at all. Um, you take the PNG, you drop it on top of the asset, mm-hmm. and then it wraps it around. And mm-hmm. um, you can futz with the asset, change the size, you can bulge it out, you can do whatever. Wow. Super helpful for the new contracts that my boss is trying to get, where it's mm-hmm. like, here's what your product can look like. Here's your artwork on our shit. And, it, you know, yeah. here's what we're developing. Um and it's so intuitive to use. It takes a couple of minutes to really get into, but like, yeah, yeah. But with Creative Cloud, they give you access to everything. They're just like, go play, do your thing. Um, so easy. And and like, I have found myself um, leaning more heavily on InDesign than I used to before because like, I fucking hate Word. I was gonna say um, the uh, planner pages that um, Reagan is making for me. Uh-huh. prototyping for me and things are uh she's using all InDesign. Mm-hmm. Um because it makes it easier. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm going in with preview on my Mac to add the things I use on the daily um or at least when I'm when I'm planning out my week like me. Oh. Um and I re upload photos. So everybody's gonna yell at me because I haven't uploaded photos, but like <laughs> it doesn't like the planner page oh, doesn't come nice. in these colors. Yeah. Right. So like so I've I go through and I'm like, all right, I gotta draw a little blue square mm-hmm. for where the checkboxes go and all that stuff. Um 
to the point where I just like have drawn a whole bunch of transparent squares and go in and change the colors right now. But on one where that's like more of a drop down. You know what nobody has ever been able to replicate properly? Hmm. MS Paint. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're like, saying. It's so simple. It's so low key. It does pretty damn near most of what most people need it to do. Like, if you were able to do that particular planner paint on MS Paint, you just use the paint bucket tool and it'll fill it and you're done. And, and I mean, yeah, well, except because I'm getting it as a PDF, I can't edit mm-hmm. those fields. So I still have to draw a little box to. Well, no, you can you can export it as a PNG and then paint bucket all day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but as the editable PDF, the other thing is, as a lot of on there, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I sit down on on Sunday night and I f- fill out the form with yeah. all yeah. of my appointments and things for the week, and then that's the part that and export that to PNG and then something like. Yeah, I mean, Inkscape will do it, Gimp will do it. There's so many apps that I can just be like, click, fill, click, fill, click, fill. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm already in preview, and I can just go, like, on my little square, I can go right-click, select color, right-click, select color. Honestly, if it wasn't yeah. for the fact that I have Acrobat Pro um, mm-hmm. to do all the shit that I needed to do, I would lose my mind because it makes my life so much easier. Well, we're talking about systems and habits now. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, when you when you have a form that you need somebody else to fill out, and then you give them a PDF that has all the boxes in there that they can just type in themselves, you look so fucking slick. <laughs> right. Right. And then if you if you start to use something like DocuSign. Mm-hmm. Where they can just do. where you can just give it the PDF and they can do it all online and it's fully yep. signed and all of that, man. That that like that's how I did all of my work agreements. I want to say or you know for this job, it's like yes, here's the DocuSign document. All right, go read digital signature, di- yeah. digital signature. Yeah, and 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 you look so slick when you have that done, and it's like ah, there's there's a. There's a motto that I've had for years where it's like, mm-hmm. if you can do it with style, you've won half the game. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, um, I, I told you about, did I tell you about the presentation I had to do in microbiology class um, when I had to go back to college in 2013, 10 years after I graduated? No. I graduated and I needed a, um, a like a proper uh, copy of my diploma. Um, right. So I called back my college and they were like, you never graduated. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, <laughs> three classes missing from your um, uh, degree that you need to complete before you get your full degree. And I was like, you mailed me my diploma already. I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, if we mailed you the diploma and you produce a copy of that, we'll be happy to give you another one. That's no problem. But since you don't have that, <laughs> You have to finish these three classes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so now here I am in my 30s going back to college, uh, surrounded by 18-year-olds. Jesus Christ. Um, and what I realized is that if I had the brains that I had at that point, back when I first went to college, I would have fucking crushed it because mm-hmm. 
I realized that a lot of the times when a teacher gives an exam, um, and this is this is um, what I did to get through not having been in school for almost 10 years and then have to mm-hmm. go back and, you know, start over from, not from scratch, but for the three classes. Um, I can't afford to fail a single class. I have to right. do these right the first time. And I don't want to half-ass it and get a shitty grade for the amount of money that I'm spending on this fucking class. So right. you're going to see my ugly face in front of your ass every single day in class, parked right there in the front row, taking notes with my with my uh, Claire Fontaine notebook. <laughs> <laughs> And my pilot fucking metropolitan. Um, but what I realized is that after the first exam the teacher gave, she tends to ask questions in a very specific way. And mm-hmm. although I can't predict what she's going to ask on the next one, I know how she's asking questions now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through all my notes and I'm going to make myself a study guide as if she was the one who was asking the questions. Right. And it took some doing because it's like, it's a lot of information, microbiology. It's not a right. subject. Yeah. It's a lot of shit going on. Um, it, it, it was basically, I have to first off anticipate what she's going to ask me. Fine. Can do that. Then I have to figure out how to answer it in such a way that she's going to give me full credit. So first I'm explaining myself the notes that I took and what's in the book and really like compiling it into a study guide to begin with. But then in between, I'm asking myself questions. Okay, so why does this happen? Okay, and here's how why this happens. And and then how does this work? And then here's how this works. And what that did for me is that it put me in that mindset of this is how the exam questions are asked in the first place, which then also meant that when I would meet up for my study groups, because I study very well with other people, I like I said, extrovert. I, I need right. people. No. Yeah. Need yeah. The energy. Um, so when I'm around other people and I can argue about something or I can, you know, hash it out or whatever, I'm going to remember that. Like we had an argument about the phospholipid bilayer being um, consistent across all living uh, uh, cells from bacteria all the way up to multicellular organisms. That phospholipid bilayer shows up in everything. <laughs> Plants, <laughs> animals. Bacteria, amoeba, everything. Everything yes. has a phospholipid bilayer. And my, my friend was like, no, they fucking don't. And I was like, yes, they goddamn do. And let's go through. Let's go through the list. And she was like, <laughs> we screamed about this in the library. <laughs> <laughs> and the debate kids were like, the fuck got into their cereal? Like, what is going yeah. on? <laughs> Man, biology is intense. Um, I loved it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, okay, maybe we're glad that we went into law, not biology. All right, cool. But um, once once I was able to, because the first test, the entire class bombed. Um, right. Like, bombed. And the teacher was like, that was disappointing. I thought you guys were better than this. Um, and And I know you can do better. And if you need help, come to my office hours. I have them. If you want to talk about the material and you're not understanding it, come to my office hours. I'm here to help you do your right. best. Um, she wasn't mad. She was disappointed. It's <laughs> always the worst. And she was one of the kindest, most loving, most passionate teachers I've ever had. Like she loves her subject. She, she breathes it. And so for the students to just bomb the highest score 
I think was like a 69. Oof. There was Dude. no curve. <laughs> Sorry. There was I no had curve. The dude did. Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this was not a college where they grade on a curve. It's like, if you got a 69, that's the score that you got. And you're going to have to do better on the next tests to make yep. this better. Uh, towards the end of the semester, she was like, if you can score an A on the final, I'll ignore that first test. But she didn't say that until the end of the semester. Anyway, of course. Yeah. So I'm going through and I'm like, I can't fuck this up. I think I got like a 50. Yeah. And I was grateful for it at that point because like, I was like, all right. I fucked up, but so did everybody else. We are we all don't quite understand how she works. Fine. But what I realized is that when I reword the material in such a way that um, I'm going to ask the questions that she's going to ask, and I'm going to ask them a little bit harder than she does, um, when the test rolls around, I've not only read this a few times, I actually made it up on my own. Right. Um, and my study guides became very popular in that class because my study group was passing the tests quite handily because <laughs> they were studying with me. It was, you yeah, know, and yeah. my only requirement if you wanted my study guide is that you have to come join my study group. That's fair. Yeah. That's it. Um, I don't need you to contribute to it because I don't want your contribution. I have my own. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> So the presentation. So, presentation. Um, <laughs> we had to choose a disease um, mm -hmm. and then find a journal article about that specific disease and then explain it to the class. Not the disease, but the journal article. Okay. But to explain the journal article, you have to explain the disease anyway. Fine. Um, I got my group together and we hashed out some ideas and did the thing. And I was like, here's the thing. When it's time to present, none of us are going to be standing behind the computer screen clicking on the PowerPoint. That's not happening. Because the thing is mm -hmm. that when you're clicking on the PowerPoint, you're staring at the computer screen and not your audience. And right. when the audience sees you staring at the computer screen and gripping the sides of the podium, they can smell your fear and now they're bored. Um, the other thing is, is I was like, I'm not going to have my slides be worth shit unless you hear me talking about it. Yep. You get a couple of visuals on there. That's about it. You get a couple of words to keep us all on track. That's it. You don't get a full transcript of what I'm about to tell you. What I yeah. did do was that I, I made like, um, like an outline of what I would have done if I had made the PowerPoint like everybody else did, where they, you know, fucking wrote everything out and they read off yeah. of it. I, w I was like, I'll make an outline. You'll get the outline at the end of class. At the end of class, not the beginning. At the end of class, you'll get the outline so that you can use it for your notes. Because she would take questions from your uh, presentation and put it on the exam. So everybody had to have the notes. So I was like, I'll give you the notes. That's not a problem. But while I'm standing here, you're paying attention to me. Right. Not the computer, not the screen, me. I'm here. And I told my classmates, this is how we're going to do. So the way that we're going to do is that we're going to do the presentation in Keynote, not on PowerPoint, because oh, yeah. we're going to put it on my Mac, we're going to hook it up, and then my iPhone can advance the slides. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the a USB slide advancer or mm -hmm. whatever for presentations, if you're presenting, is key, especially if you're presenting yeah. live. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. 
But instead, I was like, I have a Mac, I have an iPhone, I have Keynote, let me just bring all of them together. And then Mm -hmm. this way, it's seamless. And then that way, because the other issue is, is that some of those fobs, they don't work every time. Sometimes they jitter, sometimes they do dumb shit that you don't want it to do. Um, So I was like, we're not having any <laughs> we're not having any fuck ups where so we're gonna use the environment that we have already and we're just gonna do right. this right period and so like show up dress nice be prepared to not stand behind the podium but stand out in front of the class and if at any point um somebody asks a question have the screen pulled up and draw on the board you have markers yep just like do the it. teacher does because she does it all the time. Like when she's presenting on the PowerPoint, she has a few words on there to, you know, keep her going. And then when someone asks a question, she puts up the screen and she draws pictures on the board. And I was like, so we're going to do that thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my group mates were a little scared because they were just like, Jesus Christ, what the, what the hell happened to Dino? He used to be so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Now he's turned into this like drill sergeant taskmaster bitch. Where did this come from? But the thing is, is like when we were standing in front of the class and we were giving our presentation um, and when someone would ask a question, the person presenting didn't always answer it. Somebody else would answer because I had drilled Mm -hmm. them on this so many times that we all knew each other's Um, and, and nobody was standing behind the podium. There was no fear. It was just advanced on the iPhone and and it looked so seamless and it looked so fucking slick, Kevin. It was like, I, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) No, no, I know what you're saying. Cause I, one of the two biggest helps I've had in doing live presentations and I have, right. I've, I've presented at all things open. I've presented at sorts of things is, um, uh, is I looked at a whole bunch of really shitty PowerPoints over the years. Yeah. Um, the second is there are two presentations, and I can't remember the name of the guy, but I, I downloaded local copies of these. They were so good. Um, the first is called Your PowerPoint Sucks. <laughs> and that's almost, and, and your format for slides is exactly what he says to do. Image, couple words, do not transcribe your entire talk word for word onto the slide. People will read the slide, they won't pay attention to you, right? That is one of my biggest complaints with a lot of these. Um, The second one, same guy, is is one called Steal This Presentation, and I'm going to put the links in the show notes, because personally, these two, right, and and Steal This Presentation is much more marketing-focused, say, Mm -hmm. than your PowerPoint sucks, um, or stuck at PowerPoint. I, uh, I'll put the links in. These two read them about the time you were giving that presentation. I think in 2013 <laughs> mm-hmm. blew my mind, right? And I relearned how to present. And I, I used a lot of that when Ursula was like, "I need slides for." School present school visits, yeah. right? And I was like, okay, here we go, and we're going to put it in Keynote, and I will export it in PowerPoint, and make sure that works because schools, you think like the college and 
clicker that jitters running it from your laptop is a problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, you get into an elementary school, you have no idea what kind of equipment they're going to have. Right. You know, at best you want like I think we had five different ways to present it on the stick. And then I sent her with emergency cables that she could plug in so she could run it from her iPad if she needed to. <laughs> right? That was like, <clears throat> it was, I mean, it's it's that much of a scenario. Like, yes, here's a cable that will let you run power, run Keynote on your iPad and plug into a VGA projector. Oh, geez. You had to go there. Right. No. Yeah. Because, I mean, Given, like, even in hotels for conventions, like, I'm presenting on, I was presenting on, I forget what I was presenting on at WindyCon a couple years ago, and I was like, okay, I can take my own projector, and I have a projector just for traveling, just for this purpose now. Yeah. Um, and, or I, you know, keeps, and I have spare dongles to handle all of those cases, because I know a hotel isn't going to update their projector to the newest HDMI compliant. Right. 4K projector, you know, within 20 years of it becoming or, available. God forbid the MacBook Air, the USB-C, to be honest. Yeah, but I, at least with the USB-C, I can buy adapters for that anywhere. It's not like, mm -hmm. with the, like man, the old iPad, the, the original iPhone connectors. Yeah. Those big 30-pin monsters. Yeah. yeah, I have done that, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I had yep. uh, an early iPod video, and I'm like, nice. if I want to run this on a TV, I need this connection, right? Right. But, um, but yeah, these two presentations alone changed my my present presentation game mm -hmm. <clears throat> to the point where I was I just gave a presentation this past Wednesday, right? For mm -hmm. all of the lead division, all of the leads. Okay. Like, my director, all managers who are below him, including my own manager, uh, the basically technical architect who is, I believe, my director was in this yeah. meeting, right? And deep, like, well, I can bore them to tears. Sure. By just taking this giant document I've made on specifications and distill it down into a series of slides, and it's going to be so word dense, and that's just shit, and it's not going to carry attention. Mm -hmm. Right? Instead, I'm like, I will screenshot the first page of the document, and boom, that's what they get is a half half the slide is screenshot, and then the other is just like some quick bullet points to remind me about what I'm talking about. Correct. Correct. Yep. And it's much easier to present from here because then I can have it in front of me and, sure. um, you know, it's it's not like, um, you know, appearing at a, at a tech show where it's like, all right, I'm going to be standing right there in front of the live studio audience. Right, right. You know? And in the peanut gallery doing their own thing. Or, uh, you know, and especially with a technical demonstration where, like, are the, are the demo gods going to be kind? Um, and they're not. They, well, I... I got lucky on one, and then they were not on the next one, um, you know. <laughs> and uh, the the demo gods were great at the. We had our virtual all hands. The entire company just basically took half days to sit in sessions with other parts of the groups, and there were some great discussions, and it was amazing. But uh, you know, and there were live demos, and I would say ninety to ninety five percent of them went okay. 
your PowerPoint sucks is one of them. The other yep. one that I want to offer as a resource is a book um, written by a woman named Robin Williams. No relation. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Your Mac is Not a Typewriter. Oh, truth. One of my absolute favorite books that I have ever read. Um, this was, I read it years and years and years ago where... Um, <clears throat> I was working at the university um, as a computer lab uh, maintenance dude mm -hmm. where I was in charge of 100 computers in my computer lab, but also I was in charge of the staff computers for the design team for, right. um, for the university's online content. So these were people who had basically CS2 at the time. This <laughs> well, I was going to say, my Mac experience was actually with PageMaker, doing layouts for the school newspaper, right? She, so. she laid out her entire book, The Mac is Not a Typewriter, on Quark Express. Oh, God. I haven't heard that <laughs> name in forever. And, and there are print, print shop geeks out there who are going, my God, I haven't heard of PageMaker in forever. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> but, like, she she goes through design principles like um you know when now nowadays we have the software that automatically converts the the hashtag marks into real quotation marks and yeah like, yeah um, you know other shit like that but she teaches you how to take control of the software that you have on your mac and or or your pc to be honest because she she wrote a follow-up book called your pc is not a typewriter um <laughs> and and she talks about PowerPoint and, um, and, and she's like, PowerPoint should not be closed captioning. Right. Um, it should be sort of like, um, something that enhances your presentation, not replaces it. If, if you could take your PowerPoint presentation and do it without you there, you have failed. Do the thing where you make the PowerPoint presentation little snippets, little 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 things to set off the brain, and then at the end of the talk, give out your notes, mm -hmm. which is what I did. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. A book that I read in the early aughts is like coming back to haunt me in 2013. <laughs> but, but still, really I mean, good book. Yeah, but these are skills that these are often underrated but really useful skills because now successfully you've used it successfully now you're talking customers selling your company as right. it were and being able to make these up and say here you go out you know boring the shit out of them right and that's the thing you know? it's like presentations are difficult on both sides mm -hmm. um this is a lot about like you remember when we talked about the job hunt situation Yes. Job hunting is difficult on both sides. The person mm -hmm. hiring you is also nervous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, everything's expensive. So, like, with a presentation, the person who's watching the presentation doesn't want to be bored. Right. And 99.9% .9 of the time they are because what – because – even the people who went after us did the thing where they stood behind the podium, they mm -hmm. clicked on the mouse, they read off the screen. They literally read off the screen. You, you would see their PowerPoint slides, and it would be, like, crowded with text. 
Um, yeah. And, and you could, you could actually see the other students just reading off of whatever's there. And this person is reading off of whatever's on the screen, droning on, bored out of their gourd doing the presentation, much less <laughs> watching yeah. it. Um, no, I, th- I think that the, um, the the your PowerPoint sucks presentation is a really good one to have mm-hmm. in your back pocket because it, it yeah. teaches design principles, it teaches like yeah. uh, public speaking principles. It's mm-hmm. like these things that come naturally to people who are good at talking. It's hard yeah. to teach, isn't it? It's it is and it isn't. Um, Howard came up with her her school design her school talks her school visit mm-hmm. talks was she asked she literally asked like who who would you say is really good at this mm-hmm. and they said well this, this this author here so she went to youtube okay she pulled she watched like 5 hours of this oh, wow. author presenting okay. and then was like okay here is exactly what he does broke that down and then structured her presentations almost exactly the same. Oh, okay. So it was like, here's um, the information that he needs to get across. Right. And let me rejigger it to mine. Right. Here's, here's his style. Here's what his slides look like. Okay. Now let's take that. And she wrote her talk, Mm -hmm. right? Just like she writes of her present all of her award acceptance speeches whether she wins them or not and rehearses them and, like and she, she tends to win them let's be honest <laughs> uh, she she we're still we're still waiting on the lodestar in my mind like this is third lodestar nomination. she still hasn't won so um this year uh so we'll we'll see um but she no she's she's been nominated for things and hasn't won um, okay. She never. We never work on the. Uh, she never works on the theory that she will win. Um, right. But no, she, she seems to be surprised when she wins. Yes. Yeah. And but she always writes the speech, and she'll rehearse it to herself in the car. Okay. Right. And not not like stand in front of a mirror and rehearse it, but you know, go over it in her head until it's ingrained that the secret to the whale fall speech in Helsinki is that it was on her iPad, and when she mm-hmm. got up there, the lights were so bright she couldn't read her iPad, so she had to do it all from memory. <laughs> right? But that's where that practice comes in. Right. Right? Because you, you already know what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. I do the same thing. Okay. I will be going through in my head how I'm going to do a, a presentation probably up to five minutes before I join the call or before I step in front of the audience. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? So, yeah. No, like, I was thinking, Wednesday morning, I was thinking about it in the shower, going through it in my head. It, mm-hmm. You know, I I was still tuning slides Tuesday afternoon. Right? Oh, wow. You were going yeah. to the 11th hour. Yeah. Like, even even when I did my last presentation for All Things Open, when, when Cass and I presented a couple years ago... Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing those final little tweaks about an hour before we went on stage. Okay. And then I took my scheduled 15 minutes and went outside and freaked the fuck out for 15 minutes. Got all of that out of the way. (laughs) And then went in and I was like, I got this. Right. Right? But 
I'd also been, you know, revising the notes, tuning the slides, tweaking little things the entire way. It was so ingrained in my head. But but I think that's also an important part of the process, Kevin, is um, pausing and giving yourself yeah. the space to freak out. Yes. I have exactly 15 minutes to imagine the worst thing that can happen. And let me just sit in that. Um, and, and this is something that I learned. Um, there was uh, a year that I wanted to quit drinking. Um like completely. Uh, so I joined AA, I did the whole nine yards, like the 12 steps, whatever, fine. Um, and what I learned from um, reading about harm reduction and uh, drug abuse and the rest of it is that a lot of times when people uh, abuse substances, it's because um, they don't want to deal with the feelings. Right. Um, and there's a lot of harm reduction counselors who talk about how people who have been addicted to say, for example, downers like heroin or, or, or or opiates or things like that, where it's like, once they get out, they're just like, I don't know how to function without that drug because that used to erase any of the bad feelings that I had. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that recovery is just sitting in that emotion and letting yourself feel it and just being in there. Um, and I think what you said about like having that 15 minute freak out, I think that's a very healthy coping mechanism where it's like, okay, I have this much time to just imagine the worst case scenarios hate everything, be horrible, whatever. But once that timer runs out, that's it. That's, that's, that's the end of that story. I got it from you. From who? Uh, I can't remember who it was. I, I have uh, this giant book of notes, Yes. but I, I got this interview. It was right there in an interview. Like, yes, I put freak out about trip on my to-do list. Yeah. And that way it's done. I can just check that off. Like, okay, I, I don't have to be freaked out anymore because I've already done that. Um, and right. so I'm like, is brilliant. Like, it's such smart the, advice. Yeah. Here's the time in the day. I'm going to schedule this time right here, 15 minutes, step away and just freak the fuck out. Mm-hmm. I can be, you know, and then that is done. I don't have to do it anymore. And then I had another reason to freak out with that one because they gave us too small a room and, we had hit the where people were standing in the hall trying to look in through the door. So that was a whole other freak out where it's like, um, I had, I always empty your bladder before you present always. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I have five minutes. All right. I'm going to go pee. And I couldn't get room. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, Yes, are you all here for this? Okay, yeah, then you need to get out of my way because I'm the presenter. And they're like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> yes. um, no, but, I, I think that's very yeah. valuable advice. It's like schedule yeah. your freakout time and, and let yourself have that and, and sit in that emotion because a lot of, uh, well, you're a man, I'm a man. Yeah. A lot of what we're taught as children um, is men don't X, Y, or Z, right? Right. Uh, Men don't cry. Men don't get emotional. Men don't let things phase them. 
so to speak. Right. Like you're not supposed to um, uh, freak out about something like a, a right. good man, like a, a stoic man, whatever is, is able to take what life throws at him and it is what it is. Um, and I feel like a lot of dismantling that toxic masculinity mm-hmm. is understanding that your feelings are valid. Yep. Your feelings are real. That whole thing about it's all in your head is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's all in my head. Yeah. yeah that's kind yeah. of the whole point. Of course, it's all in my head. That's that's the issue that I'm having is that it's literally in my brain. Like, right. guys. I have health, I have mental health issues. I'm trying to deal with them as best I can. Yes, it's all in my head. That's the definition of the thing. Right. My my serotonin comes in a little yellow pill every day. I yeah. understand. Yeah. No, no, like, do what you need to do to get through your fucking day, because the thing is, is at the end of the day, if you don't, the other option is complete and total utter burnout. Like we twice, don't want to do about, it again. Right. Like we want yeah. to talk about failure. Like I faced um, some really nasty failure because of working from home and I hate working from home. Yes. And my productivity went to absolute garbage to the point where my boss was like, he had a sit down with me and he was like, Dino, I don't know what's going on. Um, but you're not where you used to be. Um, yeah. And he it had nothing to do with, you know, how happy or curt or whatever else I was with my interactions, but it's like, I was letting things slip through the cracks. I was, I was not handling things like I used to be able to, but I was like, yeah. part of it is I need someone to take over the accounting because yep. there's, too much work on my plate. I can't do this on my own anymore. And he was like, yes, I'm, I'm doing my best to find you an accountant. But like, Don't worry about that. I've got this. But I was like, not to make an excuse, but here's the reason why it's, it's, I'm fault. I'm coming up short is because yeah. like, the issue is, is that when you have too much work and it feels like a grind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where oh, yeah. you feel like um, your work is still meaningful um, because I work in food supply chain. That's kind of important. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got called to jury duty and um, it had to be on the Zoom or whatever the fuck it right, was. Right, 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 right. right. Um, and I was uh, waiting to get called, and they they called me, and uh, the judge said, you know, is there any reason why you can't, you know, serve? And I said, I work in food supply chain, and it's going to be very difficult for me to be away. It, it was called to grand jury, no less, so it had to be right. sixteen weeks, uh, once a week for eight hours a day, and what? And I was like, the thing is, when you're in food supply chain you don't dictate your hours the food does like yep. when it shows up it needs to happen and he was like oh yeah food supply chain you're you're excused yeah. go away yeah. yeah you're good you know what i mean so like 
It's not like I didn't have meaningful work. It's not like I didn't have varied work. It's not like I didn't have interesting work. I just had too much work. And for me, this is the first time in my life that I've had a job where I've had meaningful and, and interesting and well-paid work. Um, at yeah, the end of the day, three is, is rare, is yeah. rare. And I, I, and in my opinion, I'm paid well for what I do. Yeah. For the amount of skills that it requires to do what I do. I feel like I make good money. Um, I can very easily support myself. I can very easily support my boyfriend if, if push comes to shove and, you know, he has to move yeah. out and with me and I can easily support him. It's not a problem. I don't want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but if it gets there, you know, it's, I'm not yeah, going go yeah, to go, yeah. you know? So like to have a moment with your boss who I don't want to use the word idolize, but, um, a better word doesn't spring to my mind. If you know mm -hmm. what I mean, he's yeah. very smart. He's extremely kind. He's a good person throughout. Like he's a good person. Yeah. You don't want to disappoint the person who gave you your first real good job. The oh, one yeah. that you're passionate about that you love. Like, Yes, you heard me bitching about the shipping. You heard me bitching yeah. about whatever. But at the what end you of do the day, care. Yeah, because I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love the work, and I love our customers, and I, I genuinely love our customers, and they can mm -hmm. hear it whenever I talk to them. Um, and then when they ask me for documents, and I'm like, here you are. I've got them for you. No worries. I, you know, I've got your back. You know, I can support you. Don't worry about. It. And then they're like this is great. Like we never have other people who are doing this for us. Like you get back to us within a half hour with whatever right. we asked for. That's pretty impressive according to them. So like, <laughs> <laughs> and I know what that means because I deal with vendors too. Right. So like right. when, when you're able to provide that level of customer service and that level of getting your shit together and then you get a sit down with your boss who's like, Dino, you're not performing at the level that I know that you're capable of. And then you have to say, well, because I'm overloaded. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel good. Um, you you no, feel but... like you failed yourself. But the thing is, is like, if you don't say those words, I'm overloaded. I can't do this. Then I would still be in the same position that I was before. We we had uh, uh, one of our senior people left, right? Okay. And part of the reason he left, as I understand it, is because he was um, just transition period. It, we realized it was going to take three people to do his job. Yeah. Right. And that's not a healthy culture, and that. You know, after after talking to several people, that's something like we're aware of as a company and trying to fix. But that's you know, you can be passionate about something, you can love your work. It's reached the point where you're essentially doing the work of three people, right. even if you're a workaholic. And this person was, you know, uh, we we used to joke about tell this person to sleep because it just doesn't happen. We're not 
Right. Yeah, because he won't. Um, you can only control so much. But, you know, it's there's there's a cultural thing there that if you've got superheroes, right, you don't want superheroes. Superheroes burn out and crash hard, uh, or they're like, uh, you know, it's like two fingers in the air, fuck it, I'm out. Um, right. Which I have done on at least one job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was a little more polite about it. Um, actually, if you were in New I said, York, you wouldn't have been. <laughs> I, no, no, I probably wouldn't have been. Um, but I, what I actually said in my exit interview was this job is literally killing me. Right. Right. I, I, when I said this job, here's literally, here are some of the health things. And now here's where my diabetes is now. Here's the high blood pressure I didn't have until two years ago doing Correct. this work. Right. Um, still dealing with that shit. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's because I let myself kind of fall into that. I am passionate, but I don't want to admit to the weakness that I can't do it. Right. Right. Even when I was saying this is not a sustainable rate and there, when it, when it became, you know, there, this is not a sustainable rate. We need to fix this. We need to fix this. And the answer was, well, we'll do that later. We'll do that later. It right. keeps getting pushed down. We'll get budget for it next year, next year, next quarter, or whatever. And that's that's when you're just like, fuck it, I'm out. Because you don't right. want to... They're, they're no longer respecting you as a person. You are killing yourself, even right. if you're passionate about it. Right? So and you got to get out. On, on the other side, you're talking mm-hmm. about me, who has very strict rules about... This is where work ends, and this is where my life begins. Like, I am extremely strict about that, and my boss knew that from day one. He knew once 5.30 hits, you're not going to reach me on the phone. You're not going to reach me on email. You can't find me. I'm gone. Bye. I'm done. Um, I have always been aggressive about this is my time. This is your time. Mm -hmm. Yes, you pay me. And you get me for the hours that you pay me, not one minute more. Right. I don't. I don't deal with work when I'm at home, and this is why I hated working from home because it's like now I can't. Right. So when you have someone who quote did it right all this time, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like by oh, yeah. all by all metrics, I should have been fine. You know what I mean? If I can fall to that level. Um, where I was in such a deep depression that I wasn't performing. I wasn't because it was like, there was just too much to get done. And so I am eternally grateful that I have a boss who's like, Dino, we need to not have this happen. We need to support you in such a way that this it's not a thing anymore. Um, and I was like, I need that accountant. Like I've been telling yeah. you for a few months. I, and he was like, I'm trying my best, but nobody's fucking applying. Um, and he's not paying peanuts. Like yeah. accounting people don't charge $5 an hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's minimum 30 bucks an hour, if not more. Um, and he was more than happy to pay more than that. He was like, I'll pay more than that. That's not a problem. The thing is, I just need you to come in and do the goddamn work. 
Um, so we found that guy and he's great. Hey, you're, you're emailing me that you love this guy. I love this guy. He's <laughs> such a sweet man. He's, he's so, he's, he's such a New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> so like everybody else would call him an asshole, but like, I get that kind of person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's my type of people. And, and we get along like a house on fire. Like he hears me, how I interact with the customers, with people who dial the wrong number, with people who are trying to market to us. And he's like, do you know, you're so nice to everyone. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's just how I'm built. And he's like, when he answers, hello. <laughs> <laughs> But but the thing is, is like our styles are so different. But the thing is, is that we understand each other on a right. spiritual level. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I understand why he is the way he is. And he understands why I am the way I am. And at the end of the day, he's fucking competent. So like when I throw a shitload of stuff his way, he's like, no worries, Dino. I got this. Don't worry about it. Right. Right, 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 right. Ta-da, Yahtzee. That's all I wanted. I just wanted someone <laughs> to do that thing. So, like, even when I have to do some accounting shit, it's fine because he's handling the lion's share. So, like, those stupid little things that I have to do every now and then, it's not the end of the world. I'll live right. because I know he's got my back. And so what that did is that it converted me from just always at the end of my rope and just just spreading myself too thin into now I'm excited to go to work every morning again. And and you can focus on that thing you're really, really packed. Correct. About. Yeah. Yeah. So which is the shipping. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And now I'm trying to convert the Excel spreadsheet to a database. Um I looked at Airtable. Mm -hmm. And you wept. And it's fine. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, but it's better than the Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. But I don't like it. I And I asked my yeah. boss for his opinion. And he hates it. <laughs> <laughs> he flat out hates it because the thing is, is that one of the things that Excel does really well is like MS Paint. It's stupid easy to use. Yes. Oh, yeah. You don't have to learn it. You don't have to. And, and the thing is, is like the data that you put in there is the data that you put in there and you yep. can figure it the fuck out. And right now we only have about like a thousand rows. So it's not that big. Yeah. Um, and you filter it, you, you, you create the thing as a table and then you filter and then it takes three seconds to filter. You don't have to click on a button. Yeah. Set yeah, yeah. Boolean operators to do the filters and also, and he's like, abort, abort, abort. What? Cause I showed him the filtering and I was like, listen, with, with Airtable, what we can do is we can create views so that whenever you want to see X, Y, or Z, you can just click on the button and it'll show you the view. And then you yeah. can share it with the customer and they can see it as well. Or if they're one of those, we can just export it as a CSV and we're done. 
His last words were, Dino, no comment. (laughs) (laughs) And and doing what I do, like our software is designed around large quantities of data and building those reporting on it and searching it Mm -hmm. and doing all that stuff. And yet we still end up using a lot of Excel because a lot of data isn't that huge, right? Right. There's there's a break point. Oh, here comes here comes my beautiful wife. By the way, um, say happy birthday to Ursula because it is her birthday today. Happy birthday, <laughs> Ursula. I've been mainlining all your books. I uh, have been binge reading them. Binge reading and mainlining your books. Aww. Yes. So. <laughs> Hey, can you like stop recording and pause it for a minute or something? Oh, okay. Um, this yeah. isn't you, Dino. It's the word. Yeah. Okay. Be, I'll be right back. Wait for it to say. Okay. Yeah, she's fine. She's fine. Um. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was a thing. Uh, that was. That was. Yeah. That. That. That qualifies. What a weird world we live in. Um. I. I can't share details, but. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Kevin's face just went on a fucking journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was very uh, Christopher Columbus coming to the yeah. Caribbean. Yeah, through the, oh, that's awesome, to, oh, face God. <laughs> yeah, face palm. <laughs> and, and there's there's still this, this, this bit of a world where it's like, um... I, I, it's no secret I've been trying to get John Scalzi to be on the show for a while now, and it's been okay. like a competing schedules thing. But there's this world now where it's like, yes, I can just email some of these people, be like, hey, you want to be on the show? And they're like, let me tell you my schedule, we'll work something out. <laughs> and I'm still in the how the fuck did this stage, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, um,. <laughs> I mean, we've also been talking now for about four hours. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, not. it's it's yeah. it's ten to eleven. We started oh, at seven, <laughs> <laughs> but we planned for this this time. We did, we did. It's, yeah, this is a two-parter. A Everybody who's listening to it by now knows it's a two-parter because this is part two. <laughs> and I'm going to be rejiggling my my schedule board so that I can move you to a slot where I can do a two-parter. <laughs> and these things happen we shouldn't put it off for so long <laughs> right but basically long story longer um <laughs> <laughs> he came in and basically demolished all those tasks that were pending for i don't know how many months um caught all the bank reconciliations up to current caught everything up like beautifully the books are balanced everything is where it needs to be and it's like when you so in preparation for this i started asking my boss for an accountant back uh i want to say december of last year yeah um because that's when when it really started getting a lot more busy than it used to be. Um, and he started looking in December of last year. And yeah. and it's taken this fucking long to find someone. Um, but when, 
when you ask and then when you have somebody who's supportive of you mm-hmm. and who's like, I've got your back, Dino. I want to do whatever makes you happy. You figure this shit out. It was fine. And then that was around, I want to say about like two weeks before he hired this accountant guy, I switched from the MacBook Pro that I was using from 2012 yeah. to a Mac Mini. <laughs> yes. 64 gigs of RAM, one terabyte solid state drive. I'm good. Yeah, you can you can run. And, and I can't remember, did you get the M1 or did you get the, uh, an Intel? Uh, I think I got the Intel. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I think it has like eight cores or something. I don't know. Yep. It's got cores. It's got cores it's, galore. This is what it does. Yeah. It's a beast of a machine. And so yeah. now when I run and the reason that I haven't, I'm at inbox zero. My, my inbox is always at zero because I yeah. always clear out my emails. Um, but I have 64,000 messages in my inbox. Oh. And it might be time to start making folders and filing them and getting them the fuck out of the inbox. <laughs> yes. Um, but the thing is, I physically have not had time for the past four. Jesus Christ, it's been four years. Oh, yeah. It's I been mean, four years. Yeah, we can we can talk about some strategies around that off offline because I could go for like two or three hours based on your server, your mail client, what you're using. Oh, I just need to make rules and apply them and then they'll move. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the easy part. And it'll um, be a lot easier just... with 64 gig of RAM. It'll take. <laughs> oh, oh, you don't understand. When I can run Illustrator, Photoshop, InDesign, and um, that uh, other one, the the, the d- designing thing for the packaging dimension um, yes. when I can run them all at the same time and have Safari going with three tabs because I don't like to have more than three tabs open at a time. Lucky. And Kevin is looking at me like you little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> because I my use, thing is, is that but I, cause, but I generally at minimum five tabs open. My previous boss, the artist, um, Minimum would have like 60 some odd tabs per window mm-hmm. on Safari. And then he would have four or five windows. And then on Chrome, he would have another 60 some odd on each window and four or five of those. Now that they've made, made tab groups in Chrome. So like for work, I do need multiple tabs open because mm-hmm. I've got. Like, you know, here's the thing that lets me log into all of our systems. And here's, you know, our ticket queue. And here's the pager duty that I don't have to look at once every six, you know, one week out of six. But I still have it there so that I don't have to remember to open it. And then I've got a tab that's basically, that's, you know, basically, you know, office. And that's where it I keep things like the logins. And then I've got one just for call. And that's got like the three tabs I need for on call. And then I've got the individual projects I'm working on that need multiple tabs. Like I, the, the thing I was presenting on at one point, I had the original issue open, a document with all of our discussion, my draft document, the code repository, and the, the request to merge this into it, and then all of the 
all of the stuff I was doing to build the presentation, all mm-hmm. those tabs in one group. And it was like really nice to be like, okay, I need to work on this other thing. Click a button and it just goes slurp. And there's just right. one tab there labeled a thing. And if I need it, I can expand it. And if I don't, it just sits there until I need it. But I think the previous mm-hmm. boss has some form of ADD, mm-hmm. uh, the artist, um, which. So my journey with with ADD, autism, the rest of it has been very interesting this past year because um, I did a lot of time um, uh, online and talking to my elder brother. So mm-hmm. my elder brother has dyslexia and ADD. Um, right. Was undiagnosed. He's now 51 uh, this year. Um, he finally realized it. Right. But once we started putting all the pieces together, it all made sense. Mm-hmm. Fine. Then I had a couple of very close uh, women friends uh, tell me that they're autistic. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, what does that look like for you? And then they described their experience. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, that doesn't sound like the autism experience of the boys that I know. And they're like, yeah, because autism presents differently in girls. Yep. Uh, so most girls get misdiagnosed with ADD rather than autism. Right. <laughs> because they are taught the masking behaviors from a very early age. Right. And so the autism is there, like latent, like kind of, this this uh, bottom of the iceberg type of situation, but everybody calls it ADD because that's the tip that they can see. Um, Then once I learned that, then I started telling a lot of the women friends in my life, hey, maybe check out and see if autism is an option, like Mm -hmm. in the the grand scheme of whatever's going on. Um, And you know how you can tell the difference between someone who's taking an autism test and someone who's taking an ADD test. Well, um, I, I look at uh, the only person I know who's taken the test that I have any direct experience with is, is Ursula who would start to answer a question and then it would sort of meander off into um, the horrible truth about giraffes having sex. Correct. And that's ADD. Yeah, that's the ADD and the doctor scribbling and, Things like, you know, <laughs> clinically significant on the right. form. Yeah, right, yeah, where it's like, that's ADD. how many yeah. tries did it take you to take the test? And it's like, what do you mean? Uh, how many times did you start and stop taking the test? Oh, I don't know. Today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But with autism, what I realized is that it's, I took the test but then I wanted to make sure there were no confounding variables. So I took it five more times. Then I looked up six other tests and I took them five other times. And then here's my results. And then here's the standard deviation of what should be. And here's where I am. And apparently I'm off the charts. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, because if you had ADD, you wouldn't have taken yeah, five in a row and then went down this rabbit hole. So, like, once you tell someone there's a language for what it is that you're experiencing yeah. and other people are going through that too, 
it's very comforting. It's it's much like mm-hmm. we talked about earlier with with queer people like coding yeah. and 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 cataloging and that kind of thing. And so like with with my autistic friends, what they've said is, um, oh, now that I know that this is a thing um, mm-hmm. that I have or that I am, I don't know which one is it's because much more of an am versus a have. Correct, which right. is what a lot of people say, but there's still others who still prefer the I am autism. Sorry, I have mm-hmm. autism. So, like, yeah. I don't want to make the choice for somebody else. I'll right. use whatever language they prefer and whatever, fine. Um, but I do know that the person first language is a very contentious issue in the autism community because it's mm. like, uh, no, no, I'm autistic first. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a person with autism, much like you're not a person with gay. You're a gay person. <laughs> right. right, 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 right. Um, but once you tell a woman autism is an option and then she looks it up and then she's like, oh, shit. Okay. Um, and, and, and the thing is, is that it also seems to work out for trans people. So, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, trans men and trans women seem to have this same situation where it's like either you're assigned female at birth or you're female now. Um, now you figured out that there's this thing that got misdiagnosed a long time ago um, because there was masking behavior going on. There was hiding, there was closeting, there was all of mm-hmm. this shit. And it's like, so I took that same autistic test that my friend forwarded to me because uh, of the six results that, you know, she was like, this is the latest one, the most specific one. So I took the test and I took it once. Mm-hmm. Not even a blip on the radar. <laughs> and so when I texted my friend, I was like, I'm too neurotypical to function. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's a thing, right? There, there is, it is a there thing. Is some of that. Yeah. And, and once you have that vocabulary and once you have that uh, understanding that there's other people like you, it's, it's almost very empowering. So, like, I uh, want to put out a call to your listeners. Like, maybe mm-hmm. if you got diagnosed with ADD as a kid and um, you're somewhere on the female spectrum, um, it might be sensible to just double check for your own edification. Yeah. If autism is a possibility, maybe it's not, maybe it is ADD. That's a thing. I, I have a friend who, I mean, I've known for years, years and years. And my early interactions with them were very antagonistic. Um, to use his own words. Oh yes. That's back when I was a giant asshole. Okay. Right. But in the intervening years, he's discovered a lot about himself. And part of that is that he is autistic. Mm -hmm. And all of these sort of as new coping mechanisms came into play, as new tools were available because of this, has changed him in the most amazingly positive way. Right. Both as not an asshole anymore, um, but uh, taking leadership positions at work that weren't necessarily available mm-hmm. because now he understands how to cope and he understands how to um, 
you know, okay, I'm overstimulated. Here's what I need to do to address that. It, it opens up a whole new toolkit for people. If they were misdiagnosed or if they can, if they're able, if they realize or get a diagnosis later in life and it makes life so much better for them. On, on the other side, what I'll say is that, um, when my very close friends learn that they have autism, Mm -hmm. rather than having them having the coping mechanisms with regards to try to fit themselves to our world. What I've noticed happens a lot is that now they have a voice to, now they have a language. Now they have a voice Mm -hmm. to say, here's how you can tweak to fit my world. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. like, I feel like a lot of um, the toolbox that uh, is given to, autistic people is very much here's how you suit yourself to the rest of the world. But I think what's even more valuable is that now you can say, this is what I need from you um, to make our interaction less heinous. Um, So it's like you would not ask somebody who's blind or deaf to suit themselves to the sighted world or the hearing mm-hmm. world, you would say the rest of the world needs to make accommodations for your needs so that we can all be on a more equitable playing yeah. field. And I feel like with a lot of the dialogue about autism, what ends up happening is that um, uh, you have organizations like autism speaks where they consider Mm -hmm. autism to be a disease that needs to be cured and they, uh, and their marketing material sounds like gay panic, but for autism, if you know what I mean. Oh no, I know exactly what you mean. They're horrible. Yeah. It's autism and it's going to break up your family and cause divorces and everyone's going to die. And it's like, maybe the conversation needs to be, maybe don't ask, the autistic person to cope with our world, maybe ask us to adjust the world so that it's easier for them to cope. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Yeah. And I mean, and it's difficult because there are situations where, yes, you can fix part of the world you control, Mm -hmm. but there are other situations where you can't. Um, My friends. Yeah. No, uh, a trade show. We were at a conference. Uh, um, matter of fact, it was about 30 seconds before I started my freakout, uh, before presenting. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and that's a situation where you can't rearrange the conference to accommodate. But as long as you have the other tools to be able to say, and, and this was, this was a specific thing. It's like, I, I like sort of waved and I noticed and, he took off his headphones and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. Am I interrupting time you need to, mm-hmm. you know, decompress, reduce stimulation, stuff like that? He's, yeah, but it's okay. I just wanted to say hi. And, okay. you know, and I'm, but yeah, so being able to recognize both sides of it in that I'm trying to accommodate your needs, but we're also in Correct. a situation where your needs can't be accommodated by the entire thing which to me is a problem yeah that needs to get addressed maybe not now 
because mm-hmm. we're in it right now. But this is a issue that needs to get addressed at some point. You know what I'm saying? So like if if I were um, so you've been in New York City. Oh God, yeah. The subways are not disabled friendly at all. Not in the least. Not in the least. Um, there's some places where the only way to get to that station is through, uh, stairs. Yes. They have an elevator. Um, but then to get to that level that you need to get to, you have to go down a flight of stairs. And I'm like, so what was the point of the fucking elevator? Like, what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? So like, again, I, I see what you're saying where it's like, we can't deal with this right now, but that's a shitty thing that we can't deal with this right now. Like we don't have accessibility like we should. Um, In New York with the subways, we don't have accessibility like we should. And so what's your other option? It's called uh, the paratransit. So you're allowed to call like a taxi company and have them drive you from point A to point B. Um, But a lot of times what happens with that, so I have multiple friends who, depend yeah. on the fire transit um they'll do things like uh you have to book the car now to get mm-hmm. to your appointment three hours early oh yeah so you're sitting there fiddling your clit at like three o'clock in the morning um waiting for a doctor appointment because they don't open till midnight you know what i mean like it's yeah 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 it's idiotic and it's and but the thing is is that this is the best you can do because right now our subways are inaccessible to you um yeah the buses are accessible because they have the chairlift that can get you yeah. on the bus but what happens when the snow is piled up so high that the sidewalk cuts um are not accessible even to your wheelchair you know what i'm yeah. saying oh i know those um, sidewalk cuts yeah so it's like, uh, oh, for the listeners, a sidewalk cut is that slopey thing that the sidewalk does that goes between the sidewalk and the road. And those were very hard fought for and very hard won by people who are disabled, who needed the yeah. accessibility issues. Um, and everybody uses them. And that's the oh, thing. Yeah. When we have accessibility, other people benefit too. But even if they didn't, we should still have them. Yeah. I mean, even the tube in London, I want to say, had better accessibility than the New York City subway. The New York City subway really needs to get their shit together because they're not accessible and the paratransit is not helpful because the thing is, is that when you have to depend on somebody else, now you're back at square one. And it's shitty. It is. It absolutely is. And it's hard to, it is hard to do whether it's physical accessibility, mental accessibility, um, especially when, you know, your, your, your clientele, your service area is gigantic. Um, you know, I think as it's just solve one problem at a time and move on to the next one. And 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 understand and 
keep talking about the need for mm-hmm. those kinds of things where it's yep. like um, we we need to talk about accessibility for autistic people. We need to talk about accessibility um, for, for, you know, uh, all people who have, who are not neurotypical because like the thing is, is that I, I feel like as I go through my days, fewer and fewer people seem neurotypical, if you know what I mean. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. The the standard I think for typical is I mean if it falls in the DSM. All right. Um you know, it's they they keep uh, it's a moving bar but it's not always moving in the right direction. Mhm. If that makes sense, I think the latest yeah. DSM made things that shouldn't be mental illness mental illness. And right. um you know, that's a problem, right? But also times um so early, early on, I want to say back in the 90s um, in California, um, uh, trans used to be considered a mental illness, according to the DSM. Yep. But what that did is that now it was covered under insurance. Now right. it was covered under CalCare. So, like, if you had that gender issue, according to that... Mm-hmm. Um, now your insurance could cover whatever right. things that you needed to get back to normal. And I'm doing air quotes for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is, it's really shitty to think that something that's who you are is a disease. But if it means that you have the ability to have access to those things that you need to get back to where you need to be at, um, it's, it's one hard. of those shitty catch twenty twos. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. No. I I I, I get it completely. I mean, a hundred years ago, homosexual was considered correct a mental illness. Yeah. And and part of it is not just is is getting the how do I phrase this is is getting enough of the 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 groundswell to get all of the accommodations in place or get the understanding in place so that something that is perfectly normal that's classified as a mental illness can be is is to the point where now it's not considered a mental illness and therefore it gets struck from the books because it's it's covered on insurance just because this is a thing that people have right um but if i could call out gay yeah <laughs> or thing that people are <clears throat> not have but are um you know chef is trans Shep right no 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 doubt about that um but until all of that processed and all of that was you know through it was hard for them right now admittedly them like I get yelled at now about wasting my testosterone and shouldn't I be doing push-ups now? <laughs> but on the other hand, they're so much happier. They're so right. much healthier. They're so much better. And it's just been astounding, right? Right. That, that once you get that and it is no law, lo- it's not a mental illness, but it's a, a physically, a, a physical thing that we can fix. Mm-hmm. It it changes the equation, right? Or, or not even fix, just address. Address, address. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, because I, I know several trans people who are exactly where they want to be, exactly how they see themselves, and it's none of my damn business whether they had bottom surgery or top surgery or not, right? Oh, I love that you said that because um, that is one of the most offensive questions that you can ask someone because, first off, it's none of your fucking business. Right, right. But secondly, um, when you talk to a hetero couple you don't ask about their genitalia right so does he have a big dick no right. you don't ask that right well unless you're gay <laughs> that's a different <laughs> well that's a whole other yeah yeah no but but the point is is like i i feel like um we're at a cusp of of this situation where so much more information is coming in um and I, I feel kind of privileged to be alive right now because it's like a lot of my friends are coming out to me as trans or autistic or, you know, somewhere else on the spectrum or non-binary. That's another one that I'm so happy that exists right now because it's like, what if you don't feel like either male or female applies to you? What if you feel like you're all of them or none of them or somewhere in between? Like, I think that's fucking cool. I want as many gender markers as we can have. Give us a hundred. <laughs> oh, wait, Kev, your, your audio dropped out. I had hit the mute button so that I didn't cough in your ears. Right. Or, or the listeners' ears. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's not a one or zero, right? right. It's it's uh, it's not even a ten to zero. It it's so much broader and correct. You know, and on the cusp of actually, this will be airing right. I'm, I'm looking at my my schedule again, and I'm like, yeah, this is probably going to be uh, airing right in the middle of Pride. Yeah. Right. And so, um, like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm looking at my schedule. And it looks like, yeah, we will start two days before Juneteenth. Um, and we get it off. Like we get it off for work. We, they actually have said, Seriously? yes. Yeah. Um, you know, here, here, this, this is a day like we get the Friday before the 19th off. As, okay. As, because, Hey, there's a lot of people in our company who are going to be observing or celebrating or whatever Juneteenth. And so, so yeah. Juneteenth um, is the day that uh, Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation got written. Right. Now I remember. Um, yeah. It was when the slaves got freed. Right, right. But it means it's, it's meaningful to, to so many different people. Correct. as a marker of emancipation just in general, right? Correct. Um, that there was, like, when it was announced at the beginning of the year or late last year that here are the holidays for 2021, and that was on the list, that was huge. Mm -hmm. Like, people were like, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, but it also falls, like, right there in the middle of Pride. Right. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um and so it's it's all sort of wrapped together. So it's um, it's great. So this is 
if if I'm looking at the schedule right, we're on the second half at this point, and that'll be after. So the first mm-hmm. part will be before. So it's it's we're being relevant, man. We're being relevant a month in advance. <laughs> well, three weeks, four weeks in advance, anyway. Right. Uh, <laughs> but we're fucking on it. Where? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. Um, yeah, we have covered so much ground. We have also happy five years, Kev. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we're we're just we're just now into into five years. Uh, we've just started. Happy four years is is where we're where we were kind of at. But yeah, no, uh, you get to be part of that first of five years. Yeah. So no, I, I'm I am so thrilled. incredibly proud of you. Yeah. I am so incredibly proud of uh, being part of this project. Like this. Oh yeah. Has, this has taught me so much about productivity and let's be honest, mental health, which I think was a was a side effect that we hadn't really seen yeah but how many of your interviewees came on and talked about mental health like very frankly and very openly it's because it's it's tied so closely together and we don't want to admit it we want to think of it as a scientific process and it's not correct and it's it's not And, and the thing is is like i feel like you're giving a platform for people who don't generally have a voice and who don't generally get to talk about these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, you got, you're, you're creating an archive of like really smart people and, and really important (laughs) conversations. Um, You're, you're contributing to someone's catalog. (laughs) See now, that's the thing. Usually you're the one who starts to get weepy at this part of the interview and you're going to make me cry, motherfucker. No, but you know what I'm saying is... <laughs> yeah, like, I know what you you're know, saying. I know what you're there's saying. There's some little queer kid out there who's like, here's this big buff straight guy and here's this little flaming fag who's talking about experiences that I've had um, and nobody else in my town gets me and uh, I can reach out to this and this is mine. This is... Yes. and. I'm going to meet someone else who knows this and this is, this is ours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is what you've built. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I often describe you as my friend Dino, who is flaming so hard that you could light a cigarette off of him from five feet away. So. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk charities. Who are we supporting this time? Um, I want to support the trans lifeline. Yes. Um, it's a, uh, it's a trans charity where it, it's like, um, it's, it's for trans people run by trans people. Um, you can call in, um, regardless of whatever it is that you're going through and they'll walk you through it. You know what I mean? Like, um, wish I had that not trans, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You know, race, wish I had that for gay, wish I had that for whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So Trans Lifeline, um, it's, they, there is so much violence done against trans people, um, uh, especially to trans people of color. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The, the, the cop shootings and the rest of it, like, trans people have been heavily heavily uh fucked over really really hard um and my big concern so we got gay marriage cool yeah but what about our trans kids who are also getting kicked out who are also getting violence against Mm -hmm. them who are also 
feeling like nobody understands them. Um, I know adult trans people who are still scared to come out because there is so much violence and there is so much pressure against them that it's like, (sighs) and I know when I was that little gay kid who was um, trying to find anybody who would understand me. And then I would find that one person who did and I would cling on to them. And like, I know a lot of the people in my life who are trans have come out to me first because they know that I'm safe and they know that I'm not going to hate them. And they know that I'm not going to leave them, um, that I'm going to back them up. Um, And that's been my experience all my life is like, people tend to come out to me as trans because they know that my response is going to be cool. Um, Great. What are your pronouns now? Yep. Uh, I I don't like the word preferred pronouns. I prefer the word, what are your real pronouns? Uh, Or what are your pronouns? Just what are your pronouns? Um, Straight out. Yeah. Yeah. and I'm terrible at remembering names. <laughs> <laughs> so when you tell me your real name now, I will promptly forget your dead name within five minutes. <laughs> 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 so, you know, you have no worries coming out to me. Um, and like always, Kevin, uh, I invite your listeners to email me if um they need someone to talk to, if they need mm-hmm. someone to vote to, if they need someone to bounce ideas off of, like that's, listen, I had uh, queer older men who helped me through my struggle and my job now, much like I'm teaching English to the kids who are desperate to learn it, my job is to make that process easier for someone else um so if if someone feels like you know you're scared and you don't know what to do maybe i don't have any advice for you probably i don't because i also made several mistakes but what i can do is listen to what you have to say which i always will yeah and everybody's going to make mistakes and everybody's going to make some people make the mistakes as others and some are breaking new ground with it and it's always nice to have a a voice to say it's cool what do we do next yep right right you're good you keep telling your truth even if it's Mm -hmm. just to me even if it's just yourself and then someday you'll have that ability to speak your truth out to the larger world like (laughs) which is exactly privileged um and and so like yeah, reach out. I'm here. I'm I'm here to listen. <laughs> you are such a wonderful person to talk to. And, uh, <laughs> We've you know, been we, going. Uh, we're yeah. four and a half now. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Of course. You know, and and you know you're welcome anytime. Yes, and and let's not uh, hold off for a year next time. <laughs> We say that every year. You know that, right? We should do this quarterly. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't have to be like five hours every time. <laughs> <laughs> you make a note. Make a note. Set up. 
Drag We're Dino crying. on formerly. Do the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Oh, Thank also, you. check oh. me out on YouTube. Um, yes. Uh, it's on my channel name. Very creative, I promise you. Dino Sarma. <laughs> I'm very easily Googleable, so like, look up the YouTube channel. I have a bunch of videos on there. Um, I basically talk in my. This is the voice that I talk in on the YouTube channel. So basically, I don't have those interruptions of the, the, the like the you know yeah, one thing yeah, we talk so, about. Yeah. So you can hear me drone on at this exact level the entire time for about half hours each time. You can easily fall asleep to them. My nephew does. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 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 So until next time. Yes. And uh, we'll be right back after this. It's always so much fun to talk to Dino, and uh, as you you heard, it was like we between breaks and all the bits of the conversation, things that weren't recorded. I think we were on the call maybe four and a half, five hours, um, and that's just because when Dino and I, as you know, when Dino and I get started, we just go, and it was uh, really fantastic to spend some time with Dino. And I have an action item, like I said, to set up something quarterly with Dino so that it isn't a four-hour extravaganza once a year. Or even if it doesn't get recorded and put into a four-hour extravaganza, um, at least then next year it won't be a four-and-a-half-hour extravaganza. <laughs> that much being said, um, first and foremost, I do have a word for this week. Woo! Our badge code this week is Juneteenth. Uh, both because it is a new federal holiday, and I think that's uh, a fantastic thing. Um, also because uh, Dino and I talked about it, and Juneteenth happened right in the middle of these these two episodes. So lots of reasons for that. You can go to productivityalchemy.com and look at the little badge how-to, and there's an input box, and you just type Juneteenth into that, and you'll get the badge for this episode. The other thing you'll find there is a link that says uh, support. And support means a lot of things. You can like us on Facebook or share us on Twitter or however all that works. Just, you know, tell your friends, tell your family, but don't give us money. No, we, we mean, are, I mean, we like money, but we have enough money at the moment. Other yes. people need money way worse. Yes. And so uh, if you look at the show notes, you're going to see at the very top of the links for this episode is our charity spotlight. And this week it is again, trans lifeline, uh, which as you heard is, uh, something Dino feels very strongly about. And so do we, um, and they provide an important service because they are, uh, run by trans people, 
uh, staffed by trans people and their whole thing is to support trans people. So if you need a hand and you are, or, or an ear, or there's a whole bunch of services they provide, uh, give them a shout. Trans Lifeline, um, and it's, it's linked in the, uh, the show notes at productivityalchemy.com. Well, that's it for this week. Yes. You got anything else? Um, uh, no's acceptable. Yeah, no. no? Okay. Uh, I've been playing Return of the Oberdin, and it is a strange, fascinating game. I suppose if you were unkind, you could call it a walking simulator, but it's, <laughs> it's one of those investigation sort of things where you start following clues and figuring out sort of backwards how what happened and how things went down and uh it's by the guy who did papers please so yeah it yeah. is uh it is kind of freaky yeah so there's that. i'm enjoying it yeah I'll, I'll i'll link that in the show notes as well because I, I you started playing last night and all i saw were sort of flashes of light and movement while i was trying to get to sleep so hey um We've had a productive week. It is alternating between tolerable and stupid hot outside here. Oh, God, it's so disgusting. And, you know, the chickens chickens are fine. Uh, I'm going to go put them away after we finish recording because it's still light out. We just had the longest day of the year. And Did we? Did yeah, I miss it? You did. When was it? Uh, I want to say it was um, either Sunday or Monday. Yeah. All I know is that it doesn't get dark until like 9 p.m. right now. So, hey, um, if you're in a hemisphere that is currently experiencing summer, I hope you're having uh, an okay one. If you're in a hemisphere that is not, I hope you're keeping warm. Yes. Yes. And while you're either you're keeping cool or keeping warm, I think the most important thing is to uh, try to stay productive. I should probably say something clever here, but I got nothing. Well. Brain meds, man. Take your brain meds at the time you're supposed to take your brain meds. Yeah. Yeah.